My name is Welcome Mark. back to the Hoopsville Marathon on this Thursday, the seventh annual marathon. May not be the 12-hour beast we have done in the past, but it's still a beast nonetheless. Hope you're enjoying the show. We are well into it at this point in time. Every once in a while, we're going to have to do a pre-tape segment because you just can't get every single coach on at the exact same time you need them or other guests. So we do pre-tape, and that's what we're featuring here. If you've got questions for us, you can always use Twitter, at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Of course, on our simulcast sections on Facebook and YouTube, you can chat with us there in those uh, chat rooms as well, though we hope you're enjoying the show on the Blue Frame Technology Team 1 Sports app, whether it's on the uh, OTT or whether it's online. We appreciate your time and hope you are enjoying it. We're going to switch gears now. WBCA has been a, a big sponsor of Hoopsville for the number of years now. And as a result, on every marathon, we make a point of talking to somebody on the executive level of the WBCA. WBCA. Danielle Donahue has been a member or a guest on this show several times, so we congratulate her. Uh, new baby boy. And so we were unable to uh, have her on today, which is great. And it's fine. We appreciate that. But they've given us their president. This year, it is Trisha Cullop, the head coach at Toledo. But that doesn't mean being a D1. You don't keep track of the D3s. So joining us on the on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of Toledo. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, we should talk about the fact you're, you're at Toledo, D1 school. Um, but D1 is full of schools that I always call kind of have the D3 mentality. It's still about academics to some degree, so you can – maybe appreciate the D3 model to some degree. I, I definitely can. You know, I, I think, you know, there is a difference from BCS to mid-major, and, and I think that we all kind of understand those those levels. But the one thing I can totally appreciate is that we have great coaches at all levels in our organization. You know, and I, and I want to highlight one just recently, House of Hope, mm. fastest coach to reach 600 wins in the country. Yes. Uh, 600 out of 690. Uh, and Brian helped uh, coach one of my kids in, in club basketball mm. that is a current member of my team right now. So I'm very familiar with him. And, and you know, we do. We have great coaches at all levels in, in the country. And, and it's neat to be able to bounce ideas off of coaches at all levels when we run into each other on the recruiting trail. Yeah, Brian, uh, earlier on the show, celebrating his 600th, we joked G.P. Gramacki may be uh, quick on his heels, too, at Amherst. Uh, to do yeah, the same he's done or, a great job. or beat him. Yeah. So you, certainly some great coaches across the board. And, and we talked about the fact that uh, in the off season I, record, at least in, in modern times, five D three coaches jumping straight to D one. There seems to be that, as you say, respect that there are still good coaches at all levels and they can succeed at all levels. It really, it's just a matter of finding the right fit for the right program. Well, and I think what, what people are realizing is basketball is basketball. You know, there's a reason why you even see women being hired in as WWE, mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, as NBA assistants now. Mm -hmm. You know, it the game the game is the game. Being a student of the game is a big deal, um, and proving yourself. But you know, it really doesn't matter. I I love talking hoops with coaches at all levels. Even you know, sitting at a at a high school game and stealing an out of bounds play before my next game. <laughs> I I think I think we can all learn from each other. That's true. Uh, to that degree, and I know it's a little off topic, but f forgive me. I know at D1, your games are everywhere. Um, there's no way of hiding them, but we still have some who hide them at D3, and the mentality is I don't want to be scouted. But again, you all share everything. You are at least to the degree of you see games, you understand games, or at, or at the convention, you're talking about strategy. Isn't that what makes the game better? It does make the game better. And, you know, this year uh, at the Final Four in New Orleans, 
we have a business meeting and, and we've changed the name of that to the town hall meetings. And that's an opportunity for, you know, all of us to get together and, and division three will have their town hall meeting to discuss future goals and objectives. It's a good time to discuss that what D three needs from the WBCA. And, you know, this year we've actually moved that from a Saturday to a Sunday, but it's, it's a great opportunity for us to get together and share and make our game better. Well, uh, well done on the transition, by the way, because that's exactly where I was headed next. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, so the, the convention in New Orleans, I feel horrible for everybody. You have to go to New Orleans. I mean, it's <laughs> such a wonderful city. Uh, you'll have a great time there, certainly. And obviously, it's part of the D1 Final Four, just like the men have theirs uh, this year in Atlanta. You did talk about that change from a business meeting to a town hall. Can you, can you go into a little more detail on, A, why that change uh, and B, what, for those who may not be familiar, how significant is that change? You know, we, we've gone, and honestly, I want to credit Jen Rizzotti on this, our former president, but, you know, we've had business meetings where we felt like it was more of a presentation in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, we had one that was more set up like a town hall where we felt like when the coaches were invited to give more input and ideas and suggestions that we were more benefited as a, as an organization for that. And so we want to set it up more as uh, less presentations, more interaction, uh, because we do feel like our coaches are, are great members of our organization and, and we want them to have input. We want them to be invested and we want to make sure we're serving them. Well, and part of that is I know Division Three has used these conventions as an opportunity to say, hey, listen, we want some differences and some changes in the way we do things. And one of them was the All-Star Game. Uh, I know that was a hot topic at a couple of conventions, and, and, it, and it kind of built and built and finally found the perfect city in Salem to kind of launch that. Is that what is there? Are there those kinds of things that truly come out of the conventions? And there, are there any other ideas that, that could be on the table? You know, I remember talking about this all-star game in, in one of our board meetings and, and our coaches that were on the board were very passionate about this. And so they presented it to us. We're, we're very appreciative of Beyond Sports for helping mm -hmm. uh, present this with the WBCA. And, you know, I just think that it, it was a wild success and it's something that we are going to continue to do. Obviously, Salem, Virginia was a great site for that. And hopefully, you know, Columbus will be as well. Yeah, Dixie Jeff Jeffers doesn't make sure that doesn't go well. Yeah, <laughs> we will Dixie hear is about another it. another icon in our sport yes. at the Division Three level. She's done a phenomenal job. You know what is she? One of thirteen coaches to reach the seven hundred level yeah. in the yeah. country. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is pretty darn amazing. Uh, and as I said, if it's not done right by under Dixie, uh, we will all hear about it because she will make sure <laughs> we all hear about it. Yeah, Beyond Sports has certainly partnered up. That was the big key too, because you need partnerships uh, certainly to, to pull these things off um, it will again happen as we mentioned in Columbus next year it's back in Salem so we're looking forward to kind of getting this thing moving but the other thing is you've this weekend's become a, a bigger event for coaches in general and one thing I noticed uh, in my notes is that they're going to be bringing a coach's classroom to this weekend what exactly is the coach WBCA coach's classroom and how can coaches take advantage of that well, it's a it's free. It's a free event open to all coaches. Well, that's always good. And <laughs> yeah, and registration is open. You know, you just got to go on our website and sign up. But I think the main thing is it's a it's an opportunity to share on different topics and to grow and get better as a coach. I think the one thing that you know I was fortunate enough to play for Lynn Dunn. She played. Mm. She was my coach at Purdue. And the one thing I can always appreciate her, from her even today is that she continues to go to clinics. She's a uh, assistant for Kentucky at the time or right now, but. Here she is, a Hall of Famer, still going to clinics, still trying to learn, you know. And so I don't think any of us can look at her and say we don't, we haven't learned, or we've learned enough. 
Uh, we sure. all need to keep investing in our craft. The game keeps changing. There's new obstacles that we face. And I think if we don't get together and share and grow, uh, then we're not going to reach the level that we could. A little off topic, but I fear if I don't mention, ask it now, I may forget. How much has the game changed from when you played in the 90s under her to now in your coaching realm? How much has the game changed for you? Well, you know, we, we obviously were playing halves back then. The right. three-point line had just come into play. I think we were like a year or two into that. Um, you know, we, we had just changed over to the smaller ball. Oh. Uh, now, we're at, now we're at quarters. Um, there's a lot of things that have changed. And obviously the charge arc that we have now, mm -hmm. the lower defensive box, we didn't know anything about that back in those days. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there's – and I think now you're starting – back then you saw more – low post, you know, yes. two traditional low post players. Very rarely do you see that anymore. Usually teams have started to go to more of a stretch offense, uh, more up-tempo. And so, you know, I think the game is gradually shifting and changing. But, you know, I, I think it's exciting. Uh, it's always an opportunity for us to get better. As a coach, do you have to force yourself to stay open-minded and, and looking for either new ideas or open to new ideas to, to stay competitive, the, that you can't just rest on your laurels, as it were? I don't think any of us can sit and rest. Uh, I think there's certain things that you take in your coaching, uh, you know, book of, of things you always do that, you know, they work and it doesn't matter. They're timeless. Uh, certain drills, uh, maybe the foundation of your program, the character kids you look recruiting for. Uh, but I think, you know, overall, there are little things with your offense or defense that we're always learning and, and tweaking and getting better at. And obviously every time you add a new player to your program, you've got to utilize them to the best of their ability. And so I think we're always looking to grow and find ways to make, get the most out of our players' talent. How much then is back to the, the championship weekend for Division Three in the All-Star game? How important are those weekends then as coaches get together and, and if fast forward to the D1 one as well to get together to continue to, as you say, you know, educate and kind of keep up with the game? Well, I think they are important. And, you know, it's a great it's a great opportunity to hear people like Adrian Scheibels, who's going to mm. be speaking on the court. You know, she's a you know, runner up the last two years at the Division three level. And she's on our board of directors, but has done a great job. And, you know, I was looking at the polls before we jumped on the call. She's mm -hmm. number two in the polls right now. Yeah. You know, I we're excited. I think, you know, if I'm a up and coming coach, I, I want to go sit and listen to her. Gosh, if I'm her opponent, I want to sit and listen to her. You know, why does she do what she does? I think it's so great that we do this and we get out and we share. I remember as an assistant coach going down to Tennessee, I was an assistant Xavier. I drove down and Pat Summit was so giving. And I think we all have to take on that mentality to help the next person. Uh, something about Bowdoin and women's basketball coaches. I, I, I don't know. Something in Navy now, of course, basketball coach came from um, from. Uh, from Bowdoin as well. Something about uh, mm -hmm. up there in Maine. They, 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 they get some pretty darn good coaches themselves. Um, WBCA always wants to honor those coaches too. By the way, Coach Scheibel's on earlier in the show. We talked a little bit about that, that opportunity mm -hmm. as well. But um, you got, the WBCA goes out of its way, it feels like, to, to make sure to honor coaches and shine a spotlight where it's necessary. The amount of awards I lose track of, um, but they, they, they are a necessity, are they not? They definitely are. You know, you want to celebrate those great moments of, of people that have accomplished milestones, whether it be coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, player of the year, 30 under 30 club, uh, victory club, uh, the uh, all America, you know, you must yeah. be nominated to be eligible for the all-star game, but those are great accomplishments. And I think, you know, sometimes you're so busy from game to game that we lose sight of 
and uh, of celebrating those moments. And so when you're at the Final Four and you've got coaches of all levels there, it's such a great opportunity for us to to shine a spotlight on these people for their accomplishments. Certainly, and of course, the student athletes, as you point out, the All America teams and and the All Star teams. You know, your future coaches, to be honest, right there mm-hmm. in in front of us playing the game. There's a lot of them that transition into the coaching game. Yeah, and and to be noted, and we have a so you want to be a coach program that players mm-hmm. can uh, that are aspiring to be coaches can apply for. Their coaches can nominate them and. When they're there, you know, there's around 50 of them that will go through a program at the Final Four where, you know, there's an opportunity for them to go through speed dating interviews with coaches that may or may (laughs) not have a job. Um, But it's a great opportunity to sit in front of people and hone your craft of the interview. That's a hard thing for a young kid who's just coming out of college. But also, you know, to sit in classrooms and to listen to some of the icons in our game, give them valuable nuggets and knowledge. And, you know, we want to continue to have women uh, joining our, our coaching ranks so that our players have great role models. You know, we have great women and men uh, coaches in our game, but, you know, we do want to continue to make sure that we have those role models out there, people that have done it, that show people that, you know, you can still have a family and still be involved in our game and, and be a great role model for the up-and-coming uh, players that we have. Yeah, no disrespect to Brian Morehouse or G.P. Gromacki or even Gino Oriema, but I know no. there's this this urge and this push to get more women involved. You mentioned, you know, women being hired as uh, NBA assistants, that's certainly a nice step forward. But there does feel like there needs to be more women coaches to some degree without shoving the men out, and, and we don't want to no. do that either. How do you foster that um, that ability to get more women coaches into the right spots? Yeah, well, I think and, – and I think there's something to be noted that there's some men that have been extremely invested in our game. Brian's mm-hmm. one of them. Gino, mm-hmm. Gino's one of them. And I think if you talk to Jen Rosati, she will tell you, gosh, I so appreciate him. I had a high school coach who was phenomenal, Rick Marshall, who I adore and was a big part of me becoming a college player. I think the only time that maybe some of us get a little frustrated is when you see like a graduate assistant on the men's side get hired as the head coach on the women's side when there's qualified other candidates that could have been hired. Um, But I do think that, you know, we really just want the best coaches that we can have in our game. Sure. Uh, I think my only point would be let's continue to keep making sure that women do try to join these ranks so their kids have great role models. They have people that look like them sitting on the bench, whether it be an assistant coach or a head coach. Yeah, no, great point. Um, and to, but to the degree of the NBA move, is it time to start seeing women maybe as coaches of men's programs as well? I think women are very capable, you know, and I think the thing people have to realize is, and I was talking to Cheryl Reeve of the Minnesota Lynx the other day, mm. you know, you've got, you've got of all the WNBA teams, there's only four women head coaches in the WNBA. Huh. Um, there's more assistant women's coaches in the NBA than there are head coaches in the WNBA. Well, there's a um, that, yeah, that's kind of crazy. So, you know, we just, as I said, I think we want to make sure that we're producing quality coaches, male or female in our game, and that's one thing the WBCA is very invested in is growing our coaches at whatever level they are sure. and, and helping them get to the next level, whether it be an assistant that wants to become a head coach or a brand new coach that just wants to get better. Uh, no matter what level you are, we want to be there for all of our coaches. Good point. Uh, side note, my alma mater, Goucher College, has a woman assistant coach. Um, and, I mean, it's it's not even noticeable. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I just mean she's part of the program that's what she does that's mm-hmm. her job and you know she's not in that position if she wasn't qualified so i always always like pointing that out 
Um, mm-hmm. You guys do. The WBCA does an amazing job of trying to support all levels. I've noticed it over the years, even before we became partners with the WBCA. You know, again, you've talked about members who've been on the board. Um, D3's got a voice in the WBCA, and that's mm-hmm. certainly important. And I, it feels like something you guys continue to try and push that not even Division Three, but also Division Two, any other lower level is is it's not a D1 and then you all can fit in. It's everybody. No, we have to have voices at all levels. And I think Adrian Scheibels, Brian Morehouse, and Polly Thomason, uh, they all do a wonderful job of, of giving a voice in those meetings. You know, every level of our game is represented on the board. And, and that's very important to us that when we make decisions, we're not just making them for Division One or Division Two or Division Three. We're trying to decide what's best for our game mm-hmm. and, and how to make it better. And I think that's what's so great about the WBCA is trying to join all levels. And I think one, one thing to note is that we need to grow our youth in our high school space. Mm. Uh, we need to make sure that we're servicing them because those are our next up-and-coming coaches. They're the ones that are growing our recruits to the point uh, that we now get them and we want to make sure that they're ready. We want to be there for them too. We want to be of service to them. And, and that's one area we can really grow as an organization. Before I let you go, I, back to your program, I touched on it at the beginning. Um, you certainly strive in the academics. Some, uh, you always have GPA for the team of 3.2 or above, or maybe not always, but certainly most of the time you, you've got academic All-Americans. You certainly have those who succeed in the classroom while also succeeding on the court. Uh, tell us a little bit about your program and how you guys are doing this year. You know, we I really have enjoyed being here. This has been a phenomenal place for me as a as a head coach. I feel very fortunate to be here. It's I tell you one thing that's very unique to Toledo is that seven out of the last eight years we've been top thirty in the country in attendance. And when you talk about, you know, who we're in the likes of in the standings of attendance, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. This 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 particular part of the country is unbelievable in supporting athletic teams. Mm-hmm. Our football team, our men's basketball team, our women's team get great support. The other great thing is that I think, what is it now, eight out of the last uh, 10 or 11 years, I think it's eight out of the last 10 years, our athletic department has had the top GPA in our in our league. Wow. And so it's a great academic school. We have uh, wonderful support. Um, and then as far as the women's basketball program, incredible tradition. You know, I followed two great coaches in Mark Elin and Bill Fenley um in yeah. our game and 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 they're wonderful people who did a great job here and there's a lot of banners hanging that would have their names attached to them um and so you know when i came here it was a great opportunity for me to help try to continue that tradition and i think we've we've done a, a pretty good job of that uh, we've hung a lot of banners right now we've got a young team that we've played a really difficult schedule um but we're sitting at i believe four and two in the league and mm. You know, we're, we're hammering it out toward the top, and this week's going to be really big for us. We play Eastern Michigan today, who okay. has a very strong team, and then Kent State on Saturday. So we're going to find out this week uh, just how good we are. <laughs> but I really love this team. They're young, and they're not afraid. And, you know, we've had some good wins. You know, we beat Belmont. We beat Pacific. And then we've had some losses that were very tough. We lost to Notre Dame by three at mm. Notre Dame. We lost to Duquesne, who's having a phenomenal year. So it's 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 a great place to be, and I, I love being here, and I'm very thankful to have this opportunity. Well, I personally love the mascot. Uh, there's not many you can say their mascot's the Rocket. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's – I like that person. I never forget about Toledo for that reason. Um, yeah. I, it's just a cool mascot, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, especially uh-huh. for a school in, uh, in Ohio. I, I wouldn't – but you're from that area, too, we should point out, by the way. 
Um, you're, you're kind of from the you're a, you're a Midwestern gal. That's that's kind of in your blood, and I, I'm not surprised that you found success there. Yeah, you know, I, I'm from Southern Indiana, and I played at Purdue, so you know, I, I'm not too far away. My my hometown's about five and a half hours away. I had to drive right through the likes of uh, where Chris Huffman is from ah. uh, to get to get up to college. So I'm very familiar with DePaul. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know, and and obviously, my hats off to her. She's done a yes. phenomenal job there. But it is nice. I, I love the Midwest as far as basketball is concerned. You know, people really do appreciate basketball, mm-hmm. uh, and I think our our youth coaches do a phenomenal job of developing. Uh, our recruits in this area, and it's been a lot of fun. I have a lot of great relationships. This game has really provided a lot of wonderful opportunities for me. Well, I, I appreciate the time you've given us, uh, especially as you're preparing for a game. I, I know that's important, <laughs> even if you do have an assistant who are supposed to do all the work. Uh, I appreciate your time before a game to join us. We have a tradition on this show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? I think, uh, you know, just continue to come out and support all of our teams at all of our levels and uh, realize that there are some tremendous people in our game that, you know, you you talk about coaches having such a big impact. I'm so thankful for the coaches I had in my life, and we're so thankful for the coaches. uh, And I will say at the Division III level, because that's our topic for today, uh, but we have some wonderful coaches at the Division III level that are, are just doing great things on the court and off the court, and we appreciate them. Yeah, well said. Uh, I, I I agree entirely. We appreciate your time and the partnership we have with the WBCA to showcase those coaches as well. Uh, take care. Good luck the rest of the season. Maybe we'll catch up sometime down the road. I would love that. Thank you for doing this today. Absolutely. Trisha Cullop joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from Toledo. Great chat with her. A- again, it's, it's about, I almost call it a family. Coaches are a family, even on the NABC level. But the WBCA, there's something special about that group. Uh, don't forget, we'll highlight them again. You've got the upcoming convention in New Orleans for, the, for uh, the D1 Final Four, but D3 certainly heavily involved there. But you also have the D3 Final Four in uh, Columbus this year. And that will feature the All-Star Game, the Beyond Sports Division Three All-Star Game, and as, as Coach pointed out, the WBCA Coach's Classroom as well. Lots to talk about there, and I appreciate her joining us to do it. When we come back, we go back live. We'll figure out what guests we have. I don't know. But don't forget, we've got the happy hour coming up soon as well as we cover everything that is Division Three. You're listening to the Hoopsville Marathon, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Marathon when we come back. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. 
It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on on the marathon, we're back live after a great conversation with Coach Trisha Cullop. We are a little bit behind, so we're trying to cut some time here. Still ahead, um, plenty of other interviews, and we have Sam Atkinson's segment um, on the NCAA committee before we hit our happy hour. But let's keep things moving. I uh, appreciate the donations that continue to come in. We're creeping closer to what I, I do know is an aus auspicious goal for today, but I think we can hit it because we have hit it in the past. Um, all right, so when it comes to women's basketball, one team that has certainly made an impact over the years has been Oglethorpe out of the SAA. I know Alex Ritchie has done his darndest to try and make the program not relevant, isn't the word I want to use, but certainly a little bit more nationally focused or, or nationally relevant maybe is a better way of looking at it. They're 19-1 and right now, 9-0 and in SAA play. And of course, with that one loss, I think on my tweet I said undefeated squad, uh, it was a mistake. I was kind of thinking of the conference and just kind of lumped it all together. But one loss on the season ain't bad, especially when it's to a, a pretty solid team. Alex Ritchie joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopso Hotline from a bus as they head off on SAA uh, weekend. Coach, I appreciate the dedication to us. Dave, thanks for having me, buddy. Oh, absolutely. Um, again, 19-1 and this season. Uh, the last couple of years, I, I would argue, have been tremendous for this program. 21-8, uh, and eight, you know, not too long ago. Last year, not a bad campaign at 23-7, and seven, uh, coming to an end in the second round of Transylvania. What's been the mentality in this season? Um, you know, this is a really special group. Um, our kids just are really bought into one another, and it's definitely a family atmosphere in our program, which is what we've tried to build on in terms of our culture um, over the last six years that I've been here as the head coach. And um, this team is just a really special group. They work hard every day care about each other on and off the court and, it's, and, and that's been really fun uh, to be around so we've tried to create a, a really positive environment for them when they come to the gym and um, it's carried over to some, to some success on the court and um, you know we're just excited and, you know uh, with everything that's been going on in the game of basketball this week with the tragedy in, um, in Los Angeles we're just trying to take it a moment at a time and a day at a time and sure. um, that's kind of been how we've been you know rocking and rolling all season. Uh, you guys look back at the start. You started two games um, against familiar foes against LaGrange and Piedmont, got those as wins, and then you went to Emory and took on Emory and Henry, lost that one in, in not-so-fun fashion, but at least got back on the horse with a win against Randolph-Macon. I know it's, it's a loss back on November 15th, but from our vantage point, it's your only loss. So what happened in that game, and what's different now? Um, you know, we just felt like we didn't come out with a typical Oglethorpe energy that we wanted to play with. And credit to Emory and Henry is a really well-coached team and played extremely well on that given day. And they had been coming off a loss as well. And, you know, we learned uh, a lot about ourselves coming back that next day. And to be honest with you, we practiced the morning of the game against Randolph-Macon and just really got after it and took our energy to a next level. And 
um, you know, whenever you lose, you try to learn something from it. And our kids learn that if they, you know, bring that energy and that effort on a day-to-day basis, they can be pretty darn special. And, you know, to this point in the season, um, you know, they've, they've been able to take that one lesson that they learned early on in the year and, and carried it forward. And I couldn't be prouder of them for it. Well, you're already kind of proving uh, the adage at this point for this Oglethorpe team. It's about improving on the previous season. It's been five straight more wins than the year before. At this rate, it's going to be six straight. I mean, there's there's a certain point you can't go any higher, but at this point, you guys haven't found it. Yeah, you know, um, like I said, we're just trying to take it a day at a time. And we got a um, tough road trip this weekend, obviously along in terms of distance, and we're you know, feeling that on the ride right now as we go to Arkansas from Atlanta, which is, uh, you know, a lo- longest trip of the year. And then we'll play uh, Hendricks tomorrow and we'll play Rhodes on Sunday. And, you know, we've uh, we've won last year at Hendricks for the first time that I've won here as the head coach. And so we know how tough it is to win at Hendricks. And, you know, Rhodes is the second best, uh, second place team in our league right now. So uh, we just want to keep continuing to take it one day at a time and keep working hard and, Keep pushing forward because we know we've got big goals as a program on the horizon, and um, we're only going to get there if we continue to uh, improve on a on a game by game basis, on a season by season basis, and um, that's been really fun to see as this program's just continued to develop. And it really just goes back to the fact that we've got such a great group of young women on the team that um, are really bought into our coaching staff, really bought into our strategy and game plan, but more importantly, really bought into one another, and uh, that just makes it such an enjoyable group to work with. When you played uh, these two teams last, it was obviously at home beginning of January. You beat Hendricks easily, 80-52, uh, to 52, and had a Rhodes game that went to a 10-point margin, 80-70. to 70. So we know that anything's possible here, and, and certainly you're not in for an easy weekend, not to mention the fact you're on the bus. I have taken a similar trip through that part of the country. It is a tough one. But what's more important is you come home the rest of the way. Barry's your last road trip, but it's certainly short in comparison how important is it to at least come out of this weekend as unscathed as possible? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, we have big goals, and one of our biggest goals is to get back to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, the only way that we can put ourselves in a, in a safe position is just to continue to keep winning. And fortunately enough, um, our strength of schedule last year kind of bailed us out after having a yeah. kind of a rough day in the conference championship. I would say our strength of schedule is probably not as strong as it was a year ago when we played some teams like Hope. Pope, and you talked to Brian earlier, and uh, Mary Harden Baylor, who's traditionally really strong. But, um, you know, obviously we uh, are just trying to focus on the teams that are in front of us and sure. handle our business on a day to day basis. And if we can continue to do that, we're going to put ourselves in a position to not only, uh, you know, continue to our run of, you know, NCAA tournaments, but hopefully, you know, take another step in, in that right direction and go as far as we can. And we're just trying to, like I said, stay in the moment and. Uh, enjoy this group that we have each and every day because they are such a joy to work with. You had an overtime win against Letourneau back in mid-December, and when you got two uh, Texas schools to come to your place for for a weekend, that's a big win. You also have the win over Emory. There's a lot of games we can look at here where you positioned yourself well just in case, but I do know the AQ is more important. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we fell short of that goal last year, and that kind of left a bitter taste in our mouth because we knew that um, you know, that's something that we always take a lot of pride in is winning our conference. Um, and we, you know, uh, Millsaps had a great year uh, last year and, you know, earned the regular season championship. And then Rhodes just had a great day on the Sunday of the conference championship and, um, you know, took it to us. And, you know, you just 
try to put put those uh, losses in the back of your memory and learn from them and grow from them, and uh, and hopefully that's going to continue to motivate this group uh, this year to get back to the top of the mountain. Sure. You're, uh, you've got two seniors on this team, but it's really underclassmen uh, that are leading the way, per se. It's a junior in Taylor Smith at 14.2 points a game and seven rebounds. Uh, Sydney Donovan, uh, uh, correction, not Sydney Donovan, Savannah Legate, also a junior at 11.8 points a game and nine rebounds per contest. Nikki Reed, a sophomore, 10.5 points, and Olivia Herrera, a freshman at 9.5 points. And, and then we can still talk about Sydney Donovan, a junior, and Amy Vasquez, a freshman, at both 7.8 points a game. Uh, now, I realize Herrera, as a freshman, has only played in 11 games, has missed some, but you've at least got a lot of options there from anybody who's not named a senior. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, you know, we have two seniors that are just fantastic people. Carly Marie Dyer has won a lot of games for us and was instrumental in our NCAA tournament win against Chicago last year. And Morgan Grindle, who is just an absolute joy to coach, dream dream uh, kid to have in your program, who's just been a, a total uh, winner. Um, really, just her leadership and the example she sets to her teammates every day. Those two are kids that we're certainly going to miss. Um, and then you, you mentioned, obviously, some really strong juniors. We added Taylor Smith on the transfer uh, this year, and she is, has been our hardest worker all season and comes to the gym early, stays late, just continues to get better, and we're really excited about what the future has in store for her. You know, Savannah Legate, uh, you know, she's that type of kid that when we brought her into the program, it really changed the direction of what we tried to accomplish and our goals and, and stuff. And, you know, if you look at her numbers, she's about 12 points and nine rebounds a game, but she plays about 20 minutes a night. And um, Sydney Donovan, who's a you know, 6'4 transfer that we brought in this year, um, is just a fantastic defensive force. Uh, but her and Savannah are, you know, really splitting time. So it's a situation where those two kids, uh, you know, they could, they could have that mentality um, where they could be, you know, why am I not playing more? But instead, those two are just supporting each other each and every day. And once again, that goes back to the, um, unselfish nature of our group, and it just makes my my job so much easier to have those high character kids like that. Sure. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Herrera. I'm looking at her right now. She's um, coming off a meniscus repair and should be back in a couple weeks. So we're also getting healthy late in the season. And when she went down, the Vasquez kids stepped in her uh, in her spot and really have stepped up and grown as a freshman too. So the future is certainly bright for the program, and um, you know I'm really looking forward to. To coaching these kids over the next couple of years, but at the same time, uh, we're just trying to stay in the moment, especially for Carla Marie and Morgan, um, who've given so much to this program, and uh, just hopefully we can, uh, you know, achieve these goals that we set for 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 them and for for one another. Uh, you have to be nice to them, just for the record, because you are on a bus with them. They may not let you get off the bus if you aren't kind. I've got uh, all you can eat, uh, fettuccine Alfredo and spaghetti, as soon as we get to the hotel. So. Hopefully that's going to oh. be on there. Uh, they're going to be feeling good about that. Hey, uh, I, I, I'm enjoying what my wife is kind enough to get me for dinner. But when you mention fettuccine Alfredo, you get to one of my weaknesses, sir. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, Coach Ponder, uh, our men's coach, you know, I played for Coach yep. Ponder, and I'm looking at him across the aisle. He's <laughs> got every food food location being a part of this league for about 20 <laughs> years now. So uh, we let him handle a couple of our team meals to put together the men's and women's program because we travel with our men and, um, you know, our programs are really close with one another, which is so nice, um, you know, to have that program feel uh, for both for both teams. And, you know, it's so unusual when I look around the, the rest of the country and you see some of these programs where the men are playing one place and the women are playing another place. 
fortunately enough for us in conference play, we play the doubleheaders and our kids all get along and support one another, and it's just really nice to see. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Um, though trusting Coach Ponder with everything, that sounds dangerous to me. <laughs> I will, I'll tell you, I won't give him everything, but I will tell you, he's, he doesn't miss on, on meals, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, that's good, at least good to hear. Uh, and again, last major road trip of the year again uh, with the Hendricks Roadsway. At least to some degree, it's Hendricks to Rhodes versus going all the way to Rhodes and then having to come back to Hendricks. Yeah, and our, our bus driver, Steve, has got a uh, jerry-rigged for us to be able to catch the Super Bowl on the way home. Oh, on nice. The bus. So, uh, you know, we don't go anywhere without Steve, and he takes care of us. So we've got him uh, behind the wheel and us safe. And, uh, but, yeah, he'll have us hooked up for Sunday, uh, hopefully with a couple victories in tow um, as we try to get back to Atlanta. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, a couple years ago, we all had to uh, – ride the bus if the Falcons blew a 28-3 to lead mm, mm-hmm, uh, on, mm-hmm. the bus, on the bus. Yeah, we don't talk about that much in Atlanta as um, Falcons fans. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so hopefully, fortunately enough, um, I personally will be rooting for the Chiefs. Shanahan, oh. was a, Shanahan was a Falcons guy, so, you know, true, um, true. We, we got it. I'm still a little bitter there. Yeah, no, I don't sense it at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, did Steve jury rig the TV so at least the show's been on for, the, for everybody the entire way there? They're all uh, they're all um, on their phones, you know. Watching they, the they're show. So tech, they're so tech savvy. Um, <laughs> I've got my I've got my Beats headphones on my ears. I got those for Christmas this year, thinking those were the cool new thing. And now all these kids are wearing the AirPods, and I'm like, man, I just can't keep up with y'all. No, and by the way, AirPods were cool a couple years ago, Alex. Yeah, I know. I mean, you're way behind. I'm I'm 31, and I'm way behind on the tech game, which is pretty embarrassing. Don't worry. We're still wearing headsets despite our best efforts to go Bluetooth. Um, (laughs) We will eventually be Bluetooth if I can figure out how to get rid of the delay in my ears. Um, again, season's off to a tremendous start, and you're playing well. I know it's about every game that's ahead of you guys, but how important would it be not only make the tournament, but make the second weekend? No doubt. Um, you know, we just want to continue to take steps forward, and, um, you know, our administration's totally behind us. You know, one of our goals is to potentially try to host some NCAA tournament games. We know how important that would be for us to be able to play some games at home, but the only way you're going to be able to do that is keep uh, taking, taking care of business of what's in front of you. Um, but certainly, we think this team, uh, in terms of the talent level and when they're locked in, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I think we're we can play with anybody at this point, and uh, we've tried to get to that point, um, you know, as a program. And I think uh, this group, if they continue to grow and stay humble and hungry, um, they can they can really make a dent come March. Um, by the way, black courts uh, illegal in the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry. Uh, I hate oh, to be no. the bearer of bear. Uh, <laughs> Actually, no. speaking of which, they got to be restriped next year with a new three-point line. Will we lose the black court? Um, I I would say that's highly unlikely <laughs> that we're losing the black top. Highly unlikely. Oh, you um, call it the black top? We do call it the black top. Oh, um, my goodness. And, uh, and it is Coach Ponder's baby. It was his original idea. And I, I told you not to trust him. It, if it gets um, if it gets us uh, some great players to come here that want to play and wear and support uh, our university, I'm all for it. So, um, yeah, so that's that, awesome. that may that may put a wrench in our plans if that really does uh, affect us. Well, we just know that a new a new stripe is needed. I just can't wait to see how you guys pull it off. Yeah, um, thanks so much for taking the time. I'll let you guys go so you can ponder that uh, delicious uh, chicken Alfredo. 
uh, coming up yep. on, on, on your end of this trip. Uh, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, two, two things. Uh, obviously, uh, we've talked in the past. Brian Morehouse has been such a great mentor to me. I'm got to talk to him plenty over the last couple of days as he got to celebrate 600 and i know we've talked about it and a lot of people have mentioned it today uh but just what a great great guy and um so happy for him and his family and um you know all that all the hope all the hope folks i plan on not scheduling him ever again um after last year um and then uh, obviously i got to give a shout out uh to behind every coach um has a great family behind him and i know my my wife's at home listening to you, to this podcast and making sure I don't embarrass her too much. But she's got been holding down the fort all season with our five-month-year-old son. Mm. Um, and that has just been an absolute joy to be able to build our family, grow our family, and then have this special year with this season. Um, but, you know, she just continues to support me on this journey and this dream that I've been chasing as a college basketball coach. And her and my little boy are just uh, an absolute joy and, um, so fortunate to have that great support system back home in Atlanta. Well, congratulations on the little boy. I got my not-so-little boy anymore upstairs watching the show. Um, and I know what it means to have one and to have a supporting family. So uh, I get it. Congratulations. Thanks to her, too. Safe travels and good yeah. luck the rest of the season. Thanks, buddy. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you. Appreciate it. Alex Ritchie joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on the road on their way to Hendricks and then on to Rhodes, no pun intended, as they will finish off the, the big SAA weekend for them. We'll keep an eye on them. Men's team's not too shabby themselves, don't forget. Uh, that is a tough trip for the both teams. The men's team is 12-8 and eight overall and uh, in the mix uh, as they go to Hendricks, really, to break things up, maybe, uh, in the second-place slot. We'll take another break when we come back. Uh, Albion men's basketball coach Jody May talks to us about what has been a fascinating season, one that's both been heart-wrenching, but at the same time, one that has been, uh, I would argue, rewarding. They're off to a tremendous season. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. More about the marathon when we come back. has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division 3. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had bats and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. 
It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on the marathon as we continue to roll along a little bit behind schedule, but we still got a few more guests on this show before we go to the happy hour. The happy hour list of guests has diminished a little bit. <laughs> I thought we'd get Bob Quillman, but understandably he is tied up with some other things tonight. I got to go double check who will be joining us because I honestly cannot remember. Um, but we'll at least have an hour after we're all done, or 45 minutes at least, just to let our hair down, chat about Division Three, answer your questions if you have them. Maybe have a beverage in a salute of uh, nine hours of broadcasting here today. Don't forget, it's also a fundraising effort. Our goal, well, we're only one-fifth of the way there. I'm not sure if we'll get all the way there, but I think it's a nice goal that we can get to because we've gotten there in the past. Uh, we'll tweet out more information on that in a moment. We'll also uh, remind you on our uh, marathon um, simulcast. Unfortunately, not on YouTube, and I apologize to those fans who usually like to watch the show on YouTube. Uh, one of the more interesting stories of the season is the Albion men's basketball team. The Britons this season are 16-2, and 7-0. and And listen, that would be certainly uh, noteworthy in any other year um, because not only are they on top of the MIAA, which has usually had other names on top of it, but they're having a, a breakout season. Uh, it's not that long ago that it was a nine-win program. But it's how the season started that I think gets a lot of the attention, and we're not talking about on the basketball court, and we're not talking about in the box score, we're talking about a loss of a teammate, and then how this program has refocused and maybe um, 
found a way to to play for that teammate, or if not for that teammate, for themselves. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, Jody May, the head coach of the 16-2 and and undefeated in MIA play, uh, Albion Brits. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, and congratulations first and foremost on what is a tremendous season, no matter how we look at it. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me. It's a great thing that you're doing for Division Three basketball each year, and and uh, but I appreciate you uh, uh, having me on, and it, it is a good, very good year for us, and and um, you know there's a lot of basketball left, but uh, you know we put ourselves in in pretty good position so far. Yeah, certainly um, a lot of basketball is is correct, um, but at the same time it's it's. You've got to be enjoying the season considering did you guys think you had a 16 and 2 campaign ahead of you this year um considering what you had coming back and what the conference looked like and all that Yeah it, um, you never know um but uh you know we won our conference tournament last year yep. and ended the season um really well and you know we had six seniors on the team and um but but our our top three or four or five players were coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the challenge was going to be, do we have you know numbers five through ten you know behind them that uh, um, you know and trying to figure those guys out w- was a big question mark. But any time that you've got your you know probably three best players from a, a 19 win te- team from the year before, you, you're you're off to a good start. So. I didn't know how good we could be this year, um, but but I do know that we uh, the cupboard wasn't bare. It was just you know, do we have those other players that can go along with uh, um, three or four good players? Uh, yeah, but the six losing the six seniors is certainly the key. I mean, that's a lot of leadership. Granted, as you pointed out, you had a lot of your your core coming back in terms of what was on the box score, uh, and that certainly made a difference. But you guys barely got out of the season. Uh, Jody, before tragedy hit, jeez, um, I don't even had you even played a game, uh, or had you you had played Mount Union, correct? Yep, yep. Uh, we played uh, one game, um, you know, Friday night against Mount Union. Um, and this and happened then, Saturday. And this happened the next day. Yep, yep. You guys um, lost Zachary Winston, who um, for for to to. I'm a TV news producer, so sometimes I feel like sometimes it's better to be blunt. Um, killed himself for reasons that only maybe he knows. Um, and that certainly made national attention, Jody, because his brother's on the Michigan State team. Um, yeah. And, of course, you guys were the ones more affected. I'm not trying to take away anything from his brother in Michigan State, but only because he was a teammate of you guys. Um, and yeah. you had just, again, you just played Mount Union the night before, I can't imagine what that's like to go through, especially as you've just gotten this season off and running. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, there's um, – it, it, first of all, it's hard to hard to still talk about it. I mean, I it's sure. still, still difficult. And, and, you know, but I think the best, um, you know, best thing to do is to talk about it. And, um, you know, so – it, but but there's no manual out there that um, can say, hey, this is what you should do in in, in this time. And and you know I think um, th- this is a little more uh, higher publicity um, 
thing um, than, than probably most Division three uh, teams experience because of his brother and especially in Big Ten country, you know, it, it got a lot of attention um, right. having one of the best Division one players in the country as his brother. And, and um, you know, so we've, we've been through a lot. And, you know, I could probably talk two hours to you about everything that's happened and everything that's um, gone on. But, you know, I'm really proud of, of how our guys, of you know, how we've gotten through this. And, um, you know, we've had some really good people come and talk to our team. And one, one was an alum. His name's Michael Williams, and he works in mm-hmm. Detroit. And said, one thing that I took away from him is, is that, you know, you're never, ever going to get over this. Um, you're, you're just never going to get over it. And 40 years down the road, you're going to still be thinking of this. Uh, but you can get through it. And, um, you know, I thought that, that was a, you know, kind of my mantra. And I think some of the guys on our team is that, you know, hey, we can get through this. And, and um, you know, so really proud of our guys and how they've, you know, gotten through this and how they've done, um, handled it. And, you know, there's, uh, we we all have our good days and we all have our bad days and and mm-hmm. you know stay, staying together and um, you know stay being part of that family I think has been really important as as we've gotten through it and um, you know so it, but there really is no um, there's no nobody shows you a path and this is what you should sure. do in, in times like this so um, the, our guys have done a great job of, of managing it and getting through it. You had a week until you played your next game against Ohio Wesley. Of course, Mike DeWitt, um, I'm sure, was was someone you could lean on. Uh, you guys got the win 72-70 in that one, and and really since then you haven't let up. And and I hate to be on the corny side of this, but is there an element of playing for the man you lost, or was the, the loss a way of having the team come together a little bit more? Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if we've taken the approach of playing for them, Um, but we've, we've taken the approach of, um, remembering how he, who he was and how he played. Sure. And, you know, he was a, uh, the Winstons are a basketball family and his Mm -hmm. younger brother Kai is, is on our team and still here, you know, and, um, it's a basketball family and they play the right way. They're smart basketball players and they, they play hard and they do things the right way. And, and that's, you know, kind of our message is, is, you know, we're playing, you know, remember who he was and how he played and, and the type of person that he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, those are the, some of the things that we need to be focusing in on. And, you know, not necessarily playing for him, which I'm right. sure some of them are, but, but playing, remember who he was and what he stood for and how he went about things. And, sure. and I think that's a really important message of, you know, that's, that's how we should be doing things. And, you know, a, a daily reminder of, you know, who he was and how he did it. Yeah, great point um, and, and good perspective, to say the least. Uh, your only other loss this season to Marietta, 96-70. Uh, Mount Union guys, that first game was 71-52. Interesting enough, those are two of the top teams, obviously, um, in the region. Uh, you've played very well against a lot, a whole host of other teams that I think a lot of people would look at it in this region and go, wow, they're pretty good. And as we said, you're on top of, of a conference right now by two games over Trine and by three games over both Hope and Calvin. And is no disrespect, it feels like a little bit of an off MIAA year, but if, if there's going to be an off year, 
You might as well take advantage of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, I don't think when you're going to each game, you don't feel like it's no. an off year. Um, <laughs> Certainly not. No. But, you know, I, I looked at our non-conference records in our in our league this year, and it's actually we we've done really well outside of our conference uh, mm-hmm. compared to past years. And um, you know, I I do think that our league is very very good, and um, you know, we've been playing you know especially the first four or five games of the of the league, uh, we were playing really well, and yes. you know. Um, this is, uh, but there's there's no easy ones. There really isn't, and um, you know, I, I just think every night is a grind. And, and and like everybody right now, everybody in the country is going through this. And you know, we're, this is the kind of your end of January grind, and people are going through injuries and sickness, and you know, all those things. And so, you know, to to continue this, and I, I told our guys the other day that, you know. Um, it, the hard part uh, isn't trying to get to number one. The ha- the hardest part is staying number one mm-hmm. in your conference. And, you know, the, we need to continue to keep getting better and improving every day. And, and you know, you're going to get everybody's best shot. And, you know, so it, it's a daily process for us. And we just want to continue to to improve. And, you know, but we also know that there's good coaches and there's good teams in our league. And, Anybody can beat anybody uh, on any given night. Uh, seven games into the conference, the first five were, were to quote your uh, SID slams, uh, you beat uh, Calvin 93-62 at home to start things off on the eighth. Three days later at, at Hope, you won by 14. You won by 21 at Alma. Uh, Kalamazoo, you won by 15, but more importantly, you put up 109 points. Uh, Adrian, you beat by 22. Then things got a little tight. Trying, you got by six. And Olivet, you're able to beat by nine. Now you come back around. You're going to Calvin this weekend and home against Hope on Wednesday. And obviously, obviously, the second time through a conference is not as easy as the first. The gig's up, as it were. They know what you're all about. How do you prepare for this next run? Well, you know, we've, we're in this um, – and the other hard part is we're on this, you know, uh, away game swing. Yes. Um, our, our first five of our eight league games are, are on the road, and it gets reversed. But, um, you know, it. you just got to keep improving every day, and I hate to be cliche-ish and all that stuff. But <laughs> no, you, you don't. Can't, you, you, <laughs> I, I, you, you just talk to your guys about, you know, where are we as a team and how are we playing, and, you know, we need to be able to control – the things that we can control and you can't worry about, you know, things that you can't control. And that, and that's tough to do sometimes mm-hmm. in basketball. And, you know, um, but my, my goal for this team is just to keep improving and keep getting better. And, you know, you try not to be re- a result driven uh, program where you're looking at all, all you care about is winning. You try to keep improving and be the best version of whatever you, whatever team you're going to be, you know, and, that that's the goal for it, and you know if you win along the road, along that time, great. If you lose a couple, you know, hey, we got to keep improving um, and keep getting better. So that that's you know kind of our goal um, as we move forward and, and going through the second round. And you know we, we know we're going to get everybody's best shot. You know, and and um, you know try to steal some some games on the road, and and you hopefully you can protect your home court 
uh, when you get him at home. Before I let you go, because uh, unfortunately I'm going to have to, let's talk about your team real quick. Caden Ebling, the junior, leading the way at 17.5 points a game, seven, almost eight rebounds a game. Uh, Jam- Zamage- <sighs> James L. Thank you. I'm so far into the show, man. <laughs> I'm seeing things. Because that didn't look like James L, but it is James L if you look at it right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's call him Davis. Uh, 16 yeah. points a game, uh, three rebounds for him, but more importantly, three assists and an assist-to-turnover ratio of 2.5 to 1. Um, Quentin Armstrong, another junior, 13.5 points a game. Cortez Garland, a sophomore, 10.5 points a game. By the way, back to Armstrong, 7.5 rebounds himself. Um, bad news for the MIAA, junior, 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 sophomore. And I didn't even mention Barnes, a sophomore, Perry, a junior, Palo, a freshman, uh, McAbby, a j- sophomore, and we can keep going. Nothing against Alex Warman, but you guys are just warming up. Yeah, yeah. You look at our roster and, and you know, um, the future's bright. And, you know, but I, I'm uh, you – um, it's very important that you can't look towards the future and you can't say, well, wait till next year, because you never know, uh, based on our experiences, especially this year and the things that have happened to our program, you never know what can happen. And so you need to live in the moment and, you know, talk to our guys about this, that, you know, hey, let's live in this moment and whatever it is. And, you know, but it, but it is bright and we do have uh, a, a great future and, you know, but but it's important to take advantage of advantage of your opportunities at this time, and um, you know, so because you just you never know what 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 lies ahead. Um, sure. And uh, you know, so I think our team in, embraces that and you know, taking advantage of what they have right now. And unfortunately, sadly, reminded about that this week. Um, actually, I think I think it was Winston's brother at Michigan State whose reaction I thought was the most. Interesting when his when his coach told him about the Kobe news. Um, mm-hmm. I, I might have guys mm-hmm. wrong, but I was pretty sure it was him. Um, yep. Jody, you're usually tied up with the All Star uh, um, game responsibilities, or not? You're not the only one, but you certainly yeah. have a role. Yeah. You you might be a little yeah. tied up this year to be able to do that. You you might have some responsibilities <laughs> that out, the All Star game can wait. Is is there a backup plan? Uh, well, we'll we'll cross that bridge if that's if that's the case when it comes. Fair. Uh, but but as you know, we've got a great committee and yes. great uh, people working on this, and um, you know we, we'll cover things. Um, uh, Charlie Brock, who um, he doesn't know what to do. He's got nothing left. Year was was ahead of it, so we covered for Charlie and. Um, you know, so we just we all fill in when the time is needed. So I'm sure that they would that they would be more than welcome to do oh. that. Happy to do that for me. So Charlie will take over for you in a heartbeat, sir. I can just sense it. But he might be busy too. <laughs> um, and we'll get you on to talk more about that down the road for sure. Uh, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the uh, the openness too about the story that has been the Britain's basketball team so far this season. Congratulations. I don't care if the MIA is down. You guys are having a tremendous year, and I applaud you for it. You're on my top 25 ballot, um, and you have been for a couple of weeks now. Um, and, and I think you guys certainly deserve it, and I look forward to seeing how you guys do the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I just appreciate everything that you do uh, for Division Three, And, you know, it, it's a great thing, and you promote it really well, and I know you're trying to uh, raise some money tonight, and if those that listen out there, uh, hey, this is a great cause for to promote Division Three, and 
you just do every uh, great things for men's and women's basketball, and I appreciate everything that you do. Well, kind words. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. I look forward to running to you down the road and chatting with you. Well, obviously, we'll talk about the All-Star game at some point. More importantly, I'll see you in Fort Wayne no matter what, but it would be awesome to see you guys along the way. Take care of yourselves. My best to the team. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Take care. He is uh, Jody May, uh, Albion's men's basketball coach. Fun chatting with him. I uh, really appreciate it. By the way, thanks to Clayton uh, Ramberg, uh, big uh, River Falls fan, for helping contribute to the Hoopsville uh, fund, as it were. We got a big goal for tonight. We got a couple hours left in it. I hope some people will consider helping us out. But back to Jody May and his program. The night after, the day after losing to Mount Union, seventy-one fifty-two, um, they lose a teammate, and since then they have lost one game. They are sixteen and one in that run. They are seven and zero in the conference. They have been very strong in that conference. Yes, they've got the rest of the conference play still to play. Don't get me wrong, but they're a team to watch, and they're a team flying under the radar. And I think you should keep an eye on them. Take another break. When we come back, uh, another team that has reemerged in the national conversation, Virginia Wesson. I can't wait to talk to Dave Macedo about his squad. I'm really intrigued uh, about what's going on there. I actually raised them up in my top 25 despite the loss to Randolph-Macon because they competed with Randolph-Macon. That told me a lot. We'll talk to him about his squad and what it all means. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. 
We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on the marathon as we continue to roll along here. Thank you for taking the time to join us. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Coming up, we still have one more interview with a uh, well, women's coach. It's Melissa Kuberic, uh, uh, I apologize, or Kuberka. See, it's officially gone, folks. The brain is shutting down. St. John Women's Fisher, Fisher's women's basketball coach. Sam Atkinson, a pre-taped interview with a national committee chair uh, about the men's committee. And then the happy hour. And I honestly don't know who's coming on the happy hour. I've totally lost track. Uh, but hopefully that'll be coming up here soon. Uh, it's also part of our fundraiser. We just added a little bit more to it. Thank you, Clayton, for that. And so on and so forth. Going to keep things rolling here. Uh, he got to probably hear a funny little conversation with a family who came down to visit me during the, the last break. Uh, in the ODAC, Randolph-Macon for the last few years has certainly been the class. So Guilford made its presence known, getting almost to the Final Four last year. They have fallen off a little bit, but in the vacuum has come Virginia Wesleyan. And I'll admit, I'm, I'm kind of giddy. Because I, I remember when Virginia Wesleyan was always at the top of the conversation, I've gone to Randolph-Macon and seen the absolute just slugfest, for lack of a better description, between Virginia Wesleyan and Randolph-Macon. Nothing beats the Elite Eight and Nathan Dennison. Nathan Dennison, I'm thinking the Fort Wayne guy. Uh, last season there, um, and it's nice to see the Marlins back in the conversation. It gives me an excuse to go to the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline and welcome in one of my favorite guests, and I'm just kind of greasing the wheels at this point, Dave Macedo, now joining us. Coach, welcome back to the show. Good to hear. Good to see you. Uh, I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for having me. And like anything, you got to earn your way back on your show. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point indeed. Um, listen, number 18 in the country. You guys are 15-3, and 7-2 and two in the ODAC. Just last week had a tremendous game against Randolph-Macon, uh, a three-point loss. And what I did with that is I moved you guys up several spots, the adage being, yeah, you lost, but you, you held tight with them. You're having a tremendous season, and I'll be blunt. Were you expecting this? Uh, I, thought we, I thought we were. I thought we were right for having a, a better team. We certainly have had a better culture. And, uh, you know, we've just been uh, fortunate to, to – Stay healthy, I think, for the most part. The last couple of years, we've had some key injuries. But we just had a, a lot of things. Uh, 
just be better at the details. And, and so we've been excited about our group. They've been a fun group to coach. Um, you always, well, I don't want to say you undersell your team, um, but you, you sometimes don't give us the full breadth of what your squad is. Even back in the championship, I know you were proud of them. Uh, those back-to-back years when you made both back-to-back championships. But I don't think we truly appreciated how good they were. And I'm not trying to compare, but you guys had a few years where it was, you are good, you weren't as competitive as you had been. Is it is it nice right. to feel like you're back to that competitive um, uh, competitive edge that you had back in 06, 07, and then you know, through about 2015? Absolutely. I think for us, Anytime you feel like you can play your brand uh, at a high level, it's different than most. I feel like we have a group that can do that. Now, can we get better? Absolutely. Are we there with, are we there with our details and our fundamentals yet? No. Are we just getting into February? Yeah, this is where we have to be at our best, especially coming down the home stretch against some ODAC teams that are playing well, and, and we always seem to get everyone's best game. But I don't think the last couple of years we've had that execution or that defensive uh, prowess that we need. And I think we're, uh, you know, we're tinkering on having that consistently or a little bit more. But we have just, you know, I think more complete plays. One thing I found interesting is returning to the year to the team last year. Uh, and still with you this year is kind of a uh, of a harken back to those championships in volunteer assistant coach Juwan Tucker. He certainly Absolutely. he was a starting point guard for those teams, and and we had you know Tonton Belenga and some of the other greats of those programs. But it it went through Tucker. He's got to be providing all kinds of knowledge to your unit now. Well, you know my assistants, all my my assistants have played for me in all different areas. And they've all been fortunate to be on some really good teams and, and had success in the NCAA tournament. And they're blunt, and, and they don't lie, tell you the truth. And uh, they uh, share that with, with our guys now. And this group's been great at letting us coach them hard. But, you know, Dewan and, and Nick Doyle both have a keen insight as to what we're looking for and what we need on a consistent basis. But like I said, we still got a lot of work to do with getting our group to, to do that sure. every night. Sure. Um Tell us a little bit about this team, because the one thing that I think stood out to me about when the Marlins were the most competitive or in the national conversation or certainly when I had my attention, um, was you had a couple stars that stood out. Uh, Whether they stood out on the floor, they stood out in conversation, or they stood out as leaders, whatever the case may be. And maybe it's because I'm still getting used to your team, but nobody – Nobody feels like the Tantan Belenga. Nobody feels like, right. you know, Tucker or, and I forgive myself, the, the last time you guys were hosting a tournament, I remember uh, the great guard that you guys had there, and I'm blanking on the name. But um, I see Tim Fisher leading the team in scoring. I see Daniel Spencer. I, I see Corey Pelham. I, I see these names, yeah. but I don't know them. Tell me more about these guys. Okay. Well, well I think for us, you know, some of the, the, the best players we've had, we've always been playing able to play inside out. And, and mm-hmm. for us, Timmy Fisher really has set in the tone. He, he reminds me of the way some of the, the better post players we've had, the Brandon Adair, Tyler Sands, wow. you know, Kobe Hurd, uh, you know, guys uh, and Donald Vaughn, you know, that have really been able to do some things. And Timmy's a presence. Uh, and when he's consistent and he uh, wants the ball and he's finishing, you know, he, he has a, a really good uh, basketball savvy. And, you know, he, he's got a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of things he does very well, whether it's shoot free throws or just get, you know, around the basket and finish both shoulders. 
Um, so he, it, you know, it runs through him a lot of the time, and he's been big for us. And we just can't have him go quiet. And then the other guys mentioned Daniel Spencer. You know, he's a first-team all-conference kid. It's not so much what we run for Daniel. It's just the kid never stops moving. He's got a great savvy. He's hitting the boards. He's always got his hands, are, you know, uh, active and, and getting steals and tips. Uh, he's, he's probably one of our better defenders. And then, you know, like you said, Corey Pelham. Corey has been kind of moved to the point guard position. We, You know, we have a few guys that uh, are just, uh, you know, still – finding their way that have been freshmen and sophomores and Corey kind of was thrust into that role and has done a nice job there and he's such a threat to shoot the ball but he's, he's developed the other parts of his game we just need him to to really be efficient um, and then we have some you know really key role players uh, that I think have, have stepped in you know Percy Burt has really come on this year he's six seven one of the best athletes you know that we've coached and, and he's you know a nine and eight kind of guy and uh, you know, Jordan White has is, is really been a, a spark for us off the bench, and now he's in the starting lineup. Um, we wish we didn't have one injury to, to one of our starting two guards, and, you know, Tyree Golson's had a good year for us, uh, a local guy, but he's going to be out and, and wow. uh, you know, just need some more guys off the bench to be consistent performers for us. And then who knows? We'll, we'll see what we can do, you know, in about four weeks. Usually go ten deep on your bench anyway. I'm, I I don't think there's a game I've ever seen you not use the bench in in pretty good order, uh, and that's what statistically you guys do. Though you certainly go deeper if necessary. Uh, sorry to hear about Golston. For, certainly, by the way, it's Corey Moore who I was thinking of um, yeah. in the last run. Such a tremendous player, but also so well spoken too. Enjoyed our chats with him. Uh, Fisher, by the way, nearly a double double averaging, um, and same with Bert, Percy Burt. He's seven point six. Um, rebounds. He's also at 10 points a game. So you've got a lot of weapons. You talk about the inside-outside game. Nothing beats the inside-outside game that you guys use to get to the champ- championship weekend. And Brandon Adair, everybody getting distracted and then kicks it out to Tantan Belenga for his coming home party. Uh, by the way, I was like three feet from that play, so that's why I remember it so darn well. Uh, when I looked a lot better and was in a lot better shape. Um, All good. Talk about this conference. Again, Randolph making that top 10-0 and in conference, 8-1. and A lot of expectations the last few years. Um, he certainly has a program clicking there. But then it's a crazy four-way tie in the win column behind him. You guys are 7-2. and two. Washington and Lee is having a tremendous season under a, um, a great yeah. name and a guy named McHugh. It Correct. must be the last yeah. name. Uh, they're 7-3 and three in conference. Hampton and Sydney is 7-3 and three in their first year under a former ODAC star and Lynchburg is seven and three. It's funny to find Guilford at six and four. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, you know, our league, it, it really things starting to get sorted out right now. Um, really? Play, you, know, <laughs> Feel- you know, everyone's got some key matchups down the stretch. Everyone's yeah, true. Got, you know, uh, seven, seven games or six games left. And I think uh, the top will rise. I, I think everyone plays such unique styles and, you know, plays different. Um, certainly, where it's a half court and the way Guilford plays and the way WNL plays, you couldn't be any different. But they all seem to play to their strengths. They all have really good players, and it seems like every team has a, maybe a couple higher level players to mix in that you know they can go to certain things when they need them. And I think in our league, you know, that's the trademark. I think you got higher level players and some really good coaches that do their homework. So you're going to have to be ready for everything. I think what's been able to separate us over the years is, is obviously our athleticism, 
our depth and, 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 you know, we've gotten back to playing a little bit more inside out, kind of like, you know, when Brandon and Ton were here, we've mm-hmm. been able to do that at some of those pieces, but really it's going to, uh, you know, focus on Macon. I think Macon right now is certainly been the most efficient and, and most disciplined team and they're led by their point guard and on both ends. And I think they kind of set the tone. So who knows what, what will happen? You know, uh, I guess in the back of my mind, we're always hoping to see them again, but you know, <laughs> we'll see. Um, the, the, you touched on it. The conference is, as I've talked about in the past is, is full of different styles. Uh, not every conference can say that. But the ODAC certainly has been. Uh, you guys and Randolph-Macon are, are synonymous with that to some degree, um, the fact that you're different styles. But what I find interesting is now we've had coaching changes. So you've had McHugh in at WNL. You've got a coaching change at, at Hamden-Sydney. I'm sure that was a little bit of a surprise for many of you guys. Um, and you've had uh, coaching changes elsewhere. How much has that shook things up on top of everything? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? This is my 20th year in the league, and everyone we used to do scouting reports on is now in the league. You know, so <laughs> true. It's kind of neat. We're getting a little older, uh, but I think you got to stay young. You got to stay up, and you got to be creative. I mean, these guys do their homework. Uh, they've all, you know, had time to grow and develop, and and kind of put things in place with their own philosophies, and they work hard. So I think the ODAC is a very strong league right now. Mm-hmm. I would say the top six teams on every given night, you know, can really do some damage. Uh, and then the bottom half, you, you never know. You go on the road, you better bring your A game. Yeah. But these guys give them a lot of credit. They've worked hard. They're a tough out, and, I, and I'm sure they all want to kind of beat the Marlins, so we'll have to be ready. And, of course, you got one of the crazier basketball uh, conference tournaments uh, to boot all down there at the Salem Civic Center. Do you guys the three in a row, or do you guys have the first day? How's it? How's the format this year? This year, three in a row. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Buckle up, as they say. Um, Absolutely, that's a tough, uh, tough stretch. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, coach, appreciate the time. Would love to chat with you more, but you've got places to be, and we've got other places to be ourselves. Uh, but I appreciate the time, nonetheless. Fun to talk about the Marlins once again. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Absolutely, David. I appreciate all you're doing. Thanks for having me on. And hopefully you can see a, a, a consistent group that keeps getting better. And, and I look forward to uh, you know, just seeing what transpires in March. Definitely. I, I look forward to it as well. Take care of yourself and look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, my friend. Take Absolutely. Care. Dave Macedo joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, ahead for them, it's not going to get easy. It's Lynchburg at home on Saturday. They're then on the road against Eastern Mennonite, then home against Randolph. Uh, Eastern Mennonite is at the bottom of the conference, but don't overlook that. Randolph's sneaky higher than you might expect. Then it's Hamden, Sydney, Emory and Henry, Shenandoah, and then Eastern Mennonite again. So they still got two games against Eastern Mennonite ahead. Um, it's not going to be easy, but keep an eye on the Marlins. Uh, fun to fun to see them reemerge back into this national conversation. It felt a little weird not having them there, to be honest. Felt weird not having multiple ODAC teams in the conversation. I think the last couple of years, it, uh, the ODAC didn't come down, but it changed a bit, and now it's back on the rise. Take another break. When we come back, our last coaches guest of this of the show will be on. Uh, We'll go out to St. John Fisher women's basketball. Then we'll hear from Sam Atkinson, the men's basketball committee chair. And then it's the happy hour. And I don't even know what to expect this year, but I hope your guests or your questions are part of it. As we also take a look at what's ahead. You're listening to Hoops Hoop presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops after this.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the marathon. Believe it or not, we're at our penultimate uh, interview 
uh, last one we're doing live. The next one it will be pre-taped, but almost done with this the 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 more formal side of this show. We'll let our hair down, though. I got a haircut this week. We'll let our hair down coming up here in about oh, let's call it forty-five minutes or so time, maybe fifty, as we'll have the mar- as the happy hour segment. A segment, admittedly, I'm not really sure who's joining me. I'm going to have to go back through some emails. I'm I'm not sure who's available to join us. It might just be me, which will make for a very fascinating happy hour. Hopefully filled with your questions and your thoughts and something I can reply to, uh, along with maybe some donations as we've approached. We've gone over $1,100 today. Really appreciate it. The goal is $5,000. Do you think we can get there in the next hour and a half? Um, talking women's basketball now, going back to that topic. In the East region, I think the Empire 8 will leave you kind of uh, wondering what's going on. It is a tight race. St. John Fisher has a half-game lead on Sage, though St. John Fisher is 13-5, and five, Sage is 10-9. and nine. Utica's right behind them at 5-3 and three in conference play, 12-7 and seven overall, and Nazareth and Hartwick are lurking. It's a fascinating race that got me curious as to what to make of it all. So that's why we go to the Hoopsville Hotline, and that's why we bring on coaches to talk about it. Melissa Kuberka joins us on the show. And, Coach, I hope I nailed it right that time. That was perfect. Oh, very nice. So if I don't think about it, I can do it. Uh, I've said it six other ways today, uh, but I appreciate you taking the time, despite my uh, inability to say your last name, to come on the show. <laughs> um, again, 13-5 and five this year. Um, it's not like you guys haven't been good over the last few years. You were 21-6 and six, uh, two years ago, 16-2 and two in a much different conference uh, schedule than it is uh, now. Um, 19-8 and eight last year at 12-4. and four. So you guys have kind of... You know, you've always been there a couple off years like 16, 17, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised to see you 13 and 5, right? Uh, yeah, I think if you look at our roster, we're, we're pretty young, and so it might be surprising in that sense. Um, but no, our, our conference is, has had some changes over the last couple of years, yeah. and we've done our best to, to bring in strong recruits to try to match the top. And you know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful with, with the season we've put together so far, um, but we are very far from where we want to be. Sure. And, and maybe the youth is what you hint at there is probably why I had more questions. Because so sometimes I go, okay, let me go check out this team. Wait, what? Um, you have a whole host of sophomores on this team. Um, you've got two seniors and freshmen. There, there isn't any juniors. Um, when I see that, I always kind of scratch my head and go, well, did coach take a year off? Um, I kid. But that group of sophomores is the key here because they're the ones that this season is kind of leaning on to some degree. Am I right? Oh, definitely. And, and that group of sophomores was my first recruiting class here. Um, and it was, it was a funny thing coming from uh, the other school I was at where you could, I could talk to hundreds and hundreds of kids and I might get one or two to come. <laughs> yeah. And I talked to half of that and all of them decided to come. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, it, it was a great problem to have. Um, and they've done a great job adapting to having, you know, so many people their same age. And, you know, you said we have two seniors. We have one senior who's been here for four years and Alex Regal, and she's been awesome. Um, for us and, ha- and had a, a solid four years here. And then our, our other senior actually just transferred in this year. So we really only have one true player who's mm. been through the program. And then it's, it's a whole host of, of sophomores and a couple freshmen. Sure. Um, well, now we officially know, I, and thanks for the reminder, why the, you may not have any juniors. It was a different year kind of in transition a little bit there. And you're led by a sophomore, we should point out, 
Ella Eckert leading the team at 14.5 points a game. You then have Miranda Lynch at 10.5 points a game. And we're going to call Julia Mertzock's season a a double season because she's at 9.9. Let's just round that to 10. Um, By the way, of the two of the three I just mentioned, two of them are insane rebounders. Uh, Julia and Ella, uh, 6.9 for Julia, 8.2 rebounds for Ella. So not only do you have that presence of scoring, but you have that presence of rebounding, and that's always good for second-chance points and to keep a a defense honest. Oh, no doubt. And with with what you just said, second chance points. If you look at our last couple of games, we've really struggled to shoot the ball. You know, we we went from shooting probably the highest in the conference, and we were pretty high ranked in the country for our three point shooting percentage early on, and, and that's really gone downhill. But when we're when we're out shooting our opponents by fifteen twenty shots, it's it's given us a chance. Yeah, uh, and second chance points. I. I... I think it's a stat that's underappreciated in in many ways um, because not only are you getting the rebounds, but you're then doing something with them and the defense isn't putting a stop to you. Um, It's interesting you talk about your previous stop and and the challenges of getting recruits there, but then getting recruits into St. John Fisher. I'm kind of curious, though, because St. John Fisher academically certainly a, a pretty stout school. What, Why are they so more apt to come to SJF not over the last one by any degree, but why are you seeing so much success? You know, I think Fisher really offers the whole pack package, the mm. academics. Um, you know, we, we offer a very strong nursing program, which attracts a lot of, a lot of players. Yes, and then, you know, the, the school just has really made an investment in athletics, and that's allowed you know, me to have, have recruits on campus who might be looking at um, scholarship schools and, and just to see what our program or our department's willing um, to give them between facilities. And, I mean, so far this year we, we traveled to Canada for a, a, a foreign tour early on. We went to Boston, New York City. Uh, we went up to Middlebury. So they've, they've had their fair share of travel. Um, and just the, the athletes are treated first class here, um, and that's, that's very easy to sell. Um, and then the reputation, you know, even though I, I've only been here a couple years, just you know, looking at Fisher, big picture, it's been a successful place for a long time, and a lot of that has to do with the investment the school makes in athletics. You have obviously a school or a, a program made up of mainly New Yorkers. You do have one Vermont and one Pennsylvania native. I noticed that the school has the Wegman School of Pharmacy and the Wegman School of Nursing. I think the recruiting just has to go to a New Yorker and go, by the way, Wegmans loves us. Exactly, and there's about there's two Wegmans less than a mile away. Oh, that's a shame. So if, I've got yeah. one less than a mile away too, but to have two, that's just teasing. <laughs> that's just teasing. Uh, that's not fair at all. Now to think about it more, um, when you look at what you guys have done this season, uh, we talk about the thirteen and five mark, but really, it's it's a span of four games, or at worst seven games, where that is truly the story. Um, November 23rd, lost to Rochester Tech. You then rattle off two wins against Buffalo State and Union. Then NYU trips you up before you beat Madai, basically a span of three weeks there. And then you lose to Middlebury and Ithaca back-to-back. So there's this weird three out of four games where you lost, and then you had that loss at the beginning of a seven-game run. Otherwise, it's a different story. Was it just the, the challenges of finals, the challenges of traveling, the challenges of the holidays that tripped you guys up there? Um, 
I, I, I think a, a lot of those things come into play, but I really think it's an inexperienced thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, our, the, the RIT game, um, RIT is definitely better than, than their record shows, but that's in a, a pretty neat tournament that we play up here with mm-hmm. the University of Rochester and NAS. And, you know, we came off a nice win over U of R, haven't beat them in a couple years, um, you know, and maybe looking at RIT's record. And we, we beat mm-hmm. RIT last year when they were undefeated. So, you know, we, we come into a game maybe expecting that it was going to be a little easier and you know Amy Amy Reed does a great job over there with them and um, they they made it a game and and ultimately took it from us and then you know going down to NYU that was definitely a lot I think can contribute some of that to exams but NYU played a heck of a game and and their leading score had 38 on us and they're going to drop 38 and you know hard hard to to win games when when one player is doing that yeah um and then uh, the Ithaca Middlebury. I mean, Middlebury. I, I would like to say we played five on three that game with the amount of points we scored, but we, <laughs> we just we couldn't score. <laughs> we, we couldn't score, and Middlebury did a great job taking our posts away. And when our posts are, are taken away, we have to score on the perimeter, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen on the road. And it's kind of a similar thing with Ithaca. We we didn't show up early and gave them gave them a little bit of a comfortable lead, and when we're just playing from behind. Um, so I think a lot of that is just inexperience and having to grow through. Um, you know, when when teams when teams are ready to play us, we have to be ready too. Sure, uh, I'll admit I I keep looking at that at that Middlebury game and thinking there's a typo somewhere. Um, it takes the box score for me to wake up. Eleven points in the first quarter, sixteen the rest of the way for just twenty seven. Those are the games I know you want to forget, but those also feel like the games that are teachable. Like hey. Don't forget, if we don't focus on X, Y, and Z, this is what can happen. Right. Well, if you look at the game before we played Middlebury, I think we had 90-something points. Yes, you did. You had 92 Um, against Madai two days earlier. Two completely different teams, but, you know, we are capable of scoring. We are capable of, um, you know, competing, especially on the offensive end. Um, but we, we definitely have had nights, and you know, two nights ago we, we lost to Naz, and it was a very similar thing. I mean, both teams really struggled to score that night, but we just happened to be on the, the worst end of yeah. that. Yeah, definitely whiplash, uh, to say the least. It's almost like the number got transposed. Um, yeah, I wish. <laughs> I know, I know. Now, unfortunately, last night, uh, or not last night, I apologize, a couple nights ago against Nazareth, uh, another unfortunate uh, result, 45, 40, 48, 45. To your point, though, when a team's able to take away your strength, it's the other side that needs to find a way to rise, and it feels like that's deja vu here against Nazareth. Definitely. You know, and it's a fun game when we play Naz. You know, talk about Wegmans being a mile away. Naz is less than a mile away, too. Right. And it's, it's a pretty cool rivalry. It's, they call it the Battle of the Beaks and the sellout <laughs> game. And, you know, I don't know, at least for me, I never played in front of a sellout crowd unless it was an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's pretty cool to play in that atmosphere. Very new for our, you know, our freshmen and then our sophomores. have only seen it a couple times. Um but it, it's a very high-energy game, and, you know, we, we, we didn't come out playing, playing great, um, but we were playing a little better, and it just caught up with us. You know, turnovers in the fourth quarter really mm-hmm. hurt. Um, and we can't score. We can, turning the ball over makes it even worse. That's true. Um, things feel like they're going your way, though, the rest of the way because you play the next two at home before two on the road and then three at home. So five of the next seven have to come through. Um, the gym that your gym and the Manning and and Napier varsity gym, just to be official, um, that's got to be something to feel good about that. You don't have to worry about the travel necessarily, except a, a trip to Hartwick and Elmira. And don't get me wrong. I know that's not easy, but you, there's some comfort there, right? 
Oh, definitely. I, I think our numbers show that we shoot well in our gym. We, we defend better in our gym. Um, and I think most teams say that, you know, we're, that's where we're shooting every day. We're having our practice. We're having our individual workouts in there. Um, and there's definitely a comfort to that, especially with this young group. Um, but like you said, the, the, the road trip going to Hartwick um, isn't going to be easy. And, you know, then waking up the next day and traveling, going to Elmira, um, you know, need, that, that road trip won't be easy. But we're at that point where, you know, we've beaten everyone in the conference except for Naz. We know that everyone is capable of beating everyone. Our, our conference is kind of amazing that way. Yeah. Um, and so we have to show up every night. But it's, there is that little bit of confidence that, you know, we've done it once. Let's do it again, especially on our home floor. Chris, you know this, this region really darn well. Um, you are from the region, we should point out. Um, you uh, played at Geneseo. Uh, you got your doctorate at Buffalo. Uh, not your doctorate. Sorry, I, I elevated no, that for you. It, uh, no, no you're welcome. Doctorate. You're welcome. I do it to myself all the time. I got a doctorate. Um, you uh, coached at Hilbert, and now you're here. You certainly know the region well. I'm sure that that, that is helpful in terms of, of recruiting. We talked about, obviously, St. John Fisher being an advantage to you, but I think knowing the region and knowing where players are, are their best or where they're getting some good coaching has got to be beneficial, too. Oh, Definitely. Um, you know, having played for Coach Hemmer over at Geneseo, that, you know, I, I blame anything good that happens with me coaching on him. Um, and I maybe blame my, my lack of offensive skills and maybe why our offense is the way it is um, because I ran three sets with him up there. Um, but we, we were pretty good at it. Um, but he, he did a great job with that. Um, and then the recruiting piece of it, um, it's been awesome. My, my husband runs a, a, a youth organization, so I get to coach during the spring and summer, um, our oh, cool. older girls. And that allows me to, you know, do a lot of traveling and recruiting, but also working with some of those local players. And it's pretty cool then when they end up here. Um, I know you were at Geneseo, and and we've talked, and 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 that meant being under Scott Hemmer. Is there anything you've had to learn to to break from being under Coach Scott Hemmer? Because Scott Hemmer, he's overrated, right? I mean, he was not he's, at all. No, he's I not can't. That good. I can't even get on board with that. Oh come no, on! Not. It was so much fun because I bet he's listening. <laughs> No, I, I, if I was in front of him and he, he knew that I was just kidding around, I might get on board. But no, I can't, I can't say that on a national. national he knows radio right I'm now. kidding, so you can jump on board. Scott and I go way back. Your senior year was kind of the, it wasn't the breakout season, but it, it solidified two years earlier when you guys were 26 and four that Geneseo was a serious program to, to contend with. Is that a fair way of saying it? Oh, definitely. You know, my, my sophomore year, we won the SUNYAC, and, and that was an awesome experience. And then we won our first NCAA game, and you know that was that was pretty neat. But what they did, I mean, starting the year after I graduated, and I mean, what they've continued to do is extremely impressive. Um, you know, and one of my assistant coaches now is Dana Cohen, who was a freshman when I was a senior uh, at Geneseo, and you know, she she brings a wealth of knowledge, having played, you know, through yeah. everything that they did on and off the court, and just the success that they had. Um, and uh, again, a lot of that I, I credit to Coach Hemmer being the great recruiter that he was, um, but yeah. also just the great teacher. Well, and, and and all jokes aside, Coach Hemmer uh, also guided that program through some ter- really rough terrain. Um, during all the success, and I, nothing but a tip of the hat, but I know Scott so well that I had to have a little fun with him uh, Fair enough. <laughs> along the way. Um, curiosity, I know you got that what has replaced the Wendy's Classic, um, essentially, because Roberts Wesleyan's out, and so it's a little bit different now with what you guys are still doing, which is great to see. Geneseo hasn't popped up a lot on the schedule, but they could. Is it weird to go play your alma mater, or do you welcome it? 
I would love it. We we actually scrimmaged them um, okay. in the preseason. It was very cool to go back there. Um, a lot of very good memories in that gym. Um, you know, definitely. I I wish the Wendy's was, was still a thing. Um, that was a great tournament to play in, and it was pretty neat to have all the the local schools competing. Um, you know, obviously for logistics, I understand why why it's no longer, yeah. but it w- it would be awesome to get Geneseo on the schedule. Um, you know, just just because you know we're 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 working towards getting to where they are, and we've lost in the championship the last two years. They they know what it's like to lose in the championship yeah. a couple years in a row, and then you know to emerge and even in those those years where they lost to continue on and be a be a force in the tournament. Well, coach, I appreciate the time. Um, tremendous things what you're doing there at SJF, and looking forward to seeing how they progress along the way. Also looking forward to seeing how you guys finish out the last seven here before conference play. I know it's. Far from over. Um, it certainly doesn't feel like it's far from over either, um, but I appreciate you taking the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share yeah. with those tuned in? Well, definitely thank you um, for, for everything you do and for putting in the long day that you have <laughs> today. Um, but I also I would be remiss not to mention, uh, use this time um, to thank my husband for, for relocating us out to, out to Rochester and allowing me to have the best job in the world. Um, and every night I come home to dinner on the table. Mm. Um, and so I just want to use this time to say thanks to him because he's actually, this will be the first night all season I don't get dinner on the table because <laughs> he's out in Buffalo doing a clinic. But um, uh, He should have made it before he left. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey, horrible. you know what? That's a great point. Yeah, I'll, says, I'll, I'll let him know that. Says the guy who probably <laughs> should be making more dinners at his own house too. Um, Coach, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to, to connecting with you and talking in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Melissa Kuberka joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by um, Buffalo. Buffalo. I keep doing that blue frame technology. You can tell you how tired I am. Uh, again, they've got uh, seven to play, but five of those are going to be at home. Houghton will be the first one out of the gate coming up here tomorrow. Then they're against Alfred uh, on Saturday. Then home or then on the road against Hartwick and Elmira on back-to-back days next weekend. And then home against Sage and Utica the following weekend, then a week before they take on Nazareth. Uh, barring the weather, they should probably, they'll, they'll, Nazareth will probably walk to that game. Um, all right, so coming up next, we have our interview with Sam Atkinson, the uh, chair of the Men's Basketball Committee, also Associate Athletics Director for Communications at Gallaudet University. Sam and I have a nice lengthy talk about things to expect uh, and some things to change. Obviously, the men's have a different men's tournament's got a little bit of a different feel this year, so we dived into that a little bit. Didn't dive into everything, but we certainly got into a lot of it. Uh, and then after that, we let down our, our hair a little bit, and it looks like I got at least one guest on the line. I got to double check who else we've got lined up. You're listening to Hoop Show presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. When we come back, my conversation with Sam Atkinson, men's basketball committee chair, after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon here on this Thursday, January the 30th. For you marathon listeners, you usually are used to this happening right before regional rankings. And as we'll discuss here momentarily in this segment, regional rankings aren't for a couple of weeks. Pump your brakes. Unfortunately, my schedule not allowing us to time it out perfectly. If you got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email me, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Of course, we're hopefully simulcasting still this show on Facebook and YouTube, facebook.com slash Hoopsville and youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. You can interact with us there. But if you are watching the show on the Blue Frame technology app, that's the T1 Sports website or the d3hoops.com website or the uh, OTT through T1 Sports, you know, your Apples and your Rokus and all that, uh, don't don't leave. We appreciate you being there. Use the email and Twitter to interact with us. All right. So as I indicated, regional rankings coming out February 12th seems like a late time. But because of a short time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, 
you have to find that week somewhere, and it ends up being at the back end of the season this year. We aren't done until March 1st, and if you back it up three and a half weeks, there's your first regional rankings. Just a little walkie. Don't worry, next year it'll all reset, and you'll think they're too early. I promise you. So January 12th, the first date, and as always, we talked earlier in the show to the Women's Basketball Committee Chair and Karen Harvey. We also talked to the Men's Basketball Committee Chair on this marathon, and joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on a pre-taped interview. It is Sam Atkinson, the Associate Athletics Director for Communications at Gallaudet, and I believe you are the Men's Basketball Committee Chair last I checked, though I may have, I may have given you a promotion in there, Sam. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Dave. But yes, I'm still here and uh, last year on the committee. Uh, looking forward to it. Very good. Um, you are the second year committee chair for us in men's basketball. That's a little bit of a, a, a new experience. We haven't had a two-year committee chair in a number of years, and we don't need to go into all the reasons why you're in your second year necessarily. But I am curious, what is it like to be in your second year, having already gotten one year of chairmanship under your belt? Yeah, it's been a, you know, to me, it, a second year in this position, it's a great honor and humble to be selected by my peers on the committee to be in this position. Uh, but a second year in this, it's a little more seamless transition of, from um, last year's tournament to this year's and just working with the racks and, of course, working with our NCAA partners and, and liaisons. Uh, it's, it's very helpful to kind of have, you know, a year under your belt as a chair and then, you know, moving into your second year. Um, with ideas and different things that you want to try to do to continue to to move the game forward. I certainly like the every year change just because everyone gets an opportunity of the four years there, but I certainly appreciate the two years uh, under your tutelage, um, or at least your your experience. It certainly helps. An interesting year this year, especially, Sam. Um, we're heading into that Atlanta championship once again, like a repeat of t- 2013. You've got to be pretty thrilled about the Atlanta championship. Well, this is a this is a big deal for NCAA Division Three men's basketball, and we're honored to be a part of Division One and Division Two in Atlanta this year in April. Uh, we have a lot of great things in store for those two Division Three teams that will make it to Atlanta. Uh, but overall, I think this year's bracket and tournament, we have a great opportunity to really enhance the student athlete experience. Obviously, we have to drag out the bracket, though unlike the last time we did this, we don't have to extremely drag it out. We don't have any single-round games for a bunch. We have a, a little bit of a different stagger. We've repeated this a number of times to our listeners, but make it official for us. Can you explain to us how the formatting will be in terms of how many games on what weekends and such? Sure, not a problem. Um, and the first, the first, second round is going to be traditional. That will be uh, March 6th and 7th, kind of what everybody's used to, 16 different sites. Um, you know, we're going to do our best to, to try to stagger times as best we can. We Again, trying to grow the game. Um, so it's, that's going to be a great opportunity um, if, if things work out with the site. And then um, the third round, um, what people also like to call the Sweet 16, will be March 13th and 14th. Um, and again, an, another opportunity to really put the spotlight on the teams that advance. Uh, we're really going to try um, to set it up so we have four games on that Friday. Uh, March 13th, and then four games on March 14th. Well, that's a a nice little trick. I know I've known about it for a little while, but not only the staggered starts at the beginning on the first opening weekend, and by the way, I'm I'm rooting for Yeshiva to make the tournament because it just forces your hand, uh, (laughs) as it did a few years ago. But it's a Sweet 16 that I'm really intrigued by. You guys have decided to split the bracket and, and have four games on the Friday and four games on the Saturday. Is that just because... 
it's a great opportunity to do it. Whose idea? What I mean, where where did that genesis come from? Yeah, I think as a committee, we've always you know thought about how can we enhance our you know our exposure for Division three basketball uh, and what we can do to promote the game. And I think we've tried this in the past, and we had to do it a couple two years ago um, when Yeshiva made it into the tournament, and it was a big hit um, as far as having couple early afternoon games and I think you know this year being a joint championship we have a really unique opportunity in division three to really make this March Madness uh, as best we can for division three basketball and I think if we you know you have a a one or two games going on early in the afternoon and knowing all division three basketball and division three fans are watching just those games I I think that has to be a big thrill for those student athletes And, and I think if we're able to um, stagger the times the way we wish, you know, ho- and if hopefully it works out. Um, it's going to be a, a great experience for Division Three um, fans and, and, you know, men's basketball fans across the, across the country. I completely agree. A couple of years ago, I got to see four games in one day in person. <laughs> right. That was a pretty rare opportunity. And, of course, we should point out, by the way, Sweet 16, too, uh, that is going to be at individual sites, correct? You're not going to you're not going to necessarily have a pot of games on Friday and a pot of games on Saturday. Correct, and that, so that'd be eight different sites uh, for those eight different games. And and again, a unique opportunity that doesn't happen a lot to to have a team host a um, third round game uh, on on their campus, and it's just that's the only game in town uh, for for that weekend. So I, I think even for the host. Uh, for these games, it, that's going to be a bigger thrill uh, for those that student body and, and that fan base, and and of course the fans that are traveling in uh, for those games too. Again, again, I just think the more we can kind of put the spotlight uh, on this for the student athletes and just you know making it feel big time to them. Uh, knowing this is a big deal this year. I know it's really early. We maybe talk about this later on, but are you worried about how that may challenge you in terms of bracketing, though? Yeah, you know, it's definitely way too early to, to think that far ahead and, you know, even start thinking about site selections. And the bids just, you know, the bid portal just opened recently, right. so we don't even know what our options are yet. Uh, but that's a plug for, for schools to put their bids in if they think they have a good chance um, for hosting or have the opportunity to host. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, this year will be a unique opportunity and challenge for the committee when we construct the bracket. Um, but I think it's also very exciting and the different possibilities that we can try. Um, and, and again, I thought last year's bracket was probably the best and most balanced and diverse we've ever had. And I think even this year, we you know, might be even better than that. Yeah, it very well could be. Uh, quickly, of course, then we go to Fort Wayne. And speaking of staggered times, we will have four quarterfinal games there on Friday, followed by the All-Star Game and two semifinal games. going to be a little weird that we're not cutting down some nets, but there's just, there should be some good basketball. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of celebration out there in Fort Wayne. You know, we're still going to you know, treat those final four teams, um, the sem- national semifinalists, you know, like they, you know, they would have felt winning the regionals. Um, so we're, we got things in store for those, for those four teams um, on March 20th when those games happen. Um, so, uh, you know, we may not – be able to cut down the nets because we have more games to go, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a chance for those teams to really soak up the, the opportunity to, to say that they're a national semifinalist. We'll put a mock um, basket off to the side. They, there you they, go. They can cut that down. <laughs> uh, and then obviously then two weeks, a little over two weeks later, they'll play in, in Atlanta for the championship. That will be our only significant gap of the, of the entire tournament. 
Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, too, I think for those two teams that make it, you know, you kind of need the extra time just for the planning purposes yeah. and, and getting things in line. And it's going to be a big deal for those two schools that make it. And I'm sure their alumni department and their campus are going to be, you know, all about trying to get things organized and get people down to Atlanta um, as best they can. So I think even just having that extra time is going to help them out instead of, yeah. you know, the coaches having to, you know, the cram in some uh, scouting um, real quickly instead of being prepared. And there isn't that, that big of a layoff as in 2013, so I think that helps. Um, and, again, too, uh, Division two and Division three uh, teams that make it to Atlanta, they're going to be treated uh, like the Division one student-athletes and have that great experience um, during that weekend in, in Atlanta, not just on the Sunday sure. for the championship. Yeah, Dave Hickson of Amherst and, and Ken DeWeese of UMHB back in, um, in 2013 did say that it, it – having that time actually wasn't a bad thing. Um, right. It was the rest of the tournament that was crazy. Uh, you guys are going to probably have your work cut out for you. I know we're a ways away from the regional rankings to start technically, though I know you've probably already gotten work going, and we obviously aren't near to bracketing, but we have a wide – it feels like a very wide open year. No, and, and again, a, a constant theme that we talk about, Dave, is, is a parody in Division Three men's basketball, and – you know, it's a credit to the coaches and credit to the student athletes and, and how, the, how the game has changed in the last couple of years. And it's great to see some new names rising up in, the, in, your, uh, in your rankings and in national spotlights recently and, you know, also some mainstays who are also there. So um, I think right now it, it, it is a very deep field. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the second half of conference play plays out next mm-hmm. month. Um, usually this is when the – second round through in the conference may not be as easy as the first time through. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting once we get yeah. to conference tournament time. Oh, yeah. The last week of February is going to be wide open, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, first regional rankings, as we mentioned, February 12th. Um, obviously, you've got to get racks up to speed and your committee. But to some degree, your committee is a little bit um, uh, easier this year. Not only are you a second-year committee member or chair member, I should say, but your committee is rather intact. It is, and this year we have uh, seven returners um, out of eight. Uh, Rick uh, Ferry from Albright was reappointed for the Mid-Atlantic region, and we're glad to have Rick back on, on board with us. And I only have one new member, and that's in the South region, and that's Sarah Quatrocki from Maryville in Tennessee. Uh, really excited to have Sarah join our committee. She has great experience, um, not just at Division Three, but Division Two. So we're looking forward to working with her. And with our racks, you know, we got a couple changes in, in every region as, you know, that, that kind of cycles through to different conferences. And so we have some new faces and a lot of old faces. Uh, but we already went through some training a couple of weeks ago. So we're ready to hit the ground running once we get to February. Yeah, how much, how much work do you do with the racks leading up to – well, I know that you'll do a mock ranking the week before that's not official just to get everybody kind of – understood of how it goes, but how much more training is involved? Yeah, usually with the racks, some conferences, you know, will drag their feet before we get a name. <laughs> uh, so we won't get official names sometimes until the beginning of the season or, you know, maybe the first month in. But once we get those racks established and the, the national chairs for each region, and those are the made up of the committee members, um, get, get their list. We're usually in contact with them in December to kind of touch base. Uh, before we do have a training session that we just completed a couple weeks ago. So that's usually in mid-January. And then you're correct in that we'll have a kind of a mock ranking uh, the week before the first regional rankings come out, just so 
anybody that's new to the RAC process, they can kind of understand how things go and how to, how to vote. Um, and I think that's always good for any um, NCAA sport committee to do that yeah. before the first official rankings come out. And then you don't want to see a, a huge uh, swing, per se, or different you know, teams just popping up if things didn't go right the first time. Sure. Makes total sense. Um, listen, we a lot of us insiders certainly know the criteria well, and we can read the manual front to back. But can you just give maybe the newcomers out there or anybody who, who thinks they know – just a recap quickly on what the primary criteria is in terms of terminology and, mm-hmm. and what we're talking about. Yeah, not a problem. So there are five primary criteria that we use. Um, and it's, the first is the win-loss percentage. Second, division head-to-head, but that's not always available. Uh, d- it depends on, uh, you know, if those teams have already played each other or not. Re- results versus common division opponents. And fourth, results versus all division ranked opponents. And then fifth is in division SOS, SOS, strength of schedule. And the strength of schedule is the opponent's winning percentage, which has about two thirds of the scale. Again, and then the opponent's, opponent's winning percentage, and that's one third of the scale, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, and then there's, it gets in the weeds from there, folks. If you have questions, give us a call. We'll, we'll, we'll help you dive into that. I, I will say, though, too, Dave, there, there is uh, three secondary criteria. Yep, that's that where I was headed the, next. Yeah. Okay, what what are those? Yep. Just to share with the, with the audience, um, non-division win-loss percentage uh, it's for schools that are, are playing. Schools that are non-division three. Uh, resort, results versus common non-division opponents. And the third one is Division Non-Conference SOS. And, again, that's uh, for games that aren't played in Division Three. So criteria that not necessarily comes to light but may be used if you need it um, because a lot of it's non-Division Three, as you pointed out, um, right. um, individuals. So it may not become relevant. But it, if you have to really d- dive in and you're splitting hairs, it may become helpful. Yeah, no, if we, if we can't decide it off the primary criteria, you know, we're instructed to use – and those three secondary criteria uh, points. And can we explain something? Because I, I don't think everybody truly appreciates this. The rack puts together their list after their conversations, and then they get off their call, they vote. They put that together, and then actually each committee, of course, each chair's representation is on the national committee. The chair is of each region is on the national committee. You guys then t- look at those, and you're free to make any changes because you don't think the criteria was utilized correctly or whatever the case may be as long as it's within the criteria, correct? That's correct, and I think it's important to you know, remind everyone, too, that um, everybody that's on the national committee that is the chair of, the, of their respective region does not vote mm. in the, the regional rankings. It's, it's the, just the representatives from all the conferences for the certain regions um, have the vote. So um, first, let's make sure that's clear. Yeah, no, no, great point. And so it's not like you get, you're not getting two votes from the same conference, right. uh, for example. But um, from there, yes, you know, we, we're always instructor racks and when we meet on Tuesday usually um, <laughs> to, to go through it. And uh, it's always good for the racks to come to a consensus before they get off and vote. Um, but we always say, you know, like you know, if somebody feels really strongly about uh, a certain team, they're they're free to vote any way they like. Sure. Um, and that's where kind of the checks and balances comes in with the national committee to kind of, you know, double check 
each rack's work on Wednesday, uh, and, uh, and that leads into the national rankings. I know this gets complicated. We talked about the training and and, and the, the rankings. One other step I think everyone sometimes gets confused on, you all start from square one with a clean slate every time you do this, right? So the mock rankings, for example, don't influence the first rankings, but the first rankings don't also influence the second. You're starting over. It's not like, okay, so-and-so's in first. Do we keep them there? You're just going from a blank slate. Is that is that accurate? It is. You know, I think it's important for us to, to, to do that, to be able to apply the criteria the right way um, when looking at the teams, especially with the mock rankings. If those just go out the window. That's just a, a helpful tool for the racks to kind of get an idea of where they are and, and what teams are probably going to be in, in the mix for that region. But um, the other thing, too, is, you know, the results versus um, all division-ranked opponents doesn't usually come in until the second week uh, of national yes. rankings because you don't have anybody ranked that first week. So um, usually, too, that first week you don't, you're missing one of the data points on the primary criteria because it's not been established right. who's been ranked yet. So, yes, you know, I think that you know, that's a good way to, to put it. Uh, you know, I think the racks, you know, work diligently to make sure that they're applying the criteria, every, everything fairly. We don't want to go too far into the weeds on this. We'll certainly be talking to Sam later in the season to get a better sense before we go into the final weekend or in the final weekend of, of understanding all this. But one of the things, Sam, that always comes down uh, to it is we always ultimately come down to a conversation of win-loss percentage and strength of schedule. And one of the things I've thought about in the offseason, and, and I know you are aware of my thoughts, is that the SOS still feels like the gorilla, like it's the big beast in there, and that some people consider the SOS as somehow a strength of a team's success or a team's um, um, how good they are, when it's really just a strength of their schedule. How how have you guys continued to try and balance? Because I should point out, you're also in the offseason trying to work to always improve yourselves. How do you guys continue to com- converse and, and figure out those two big behemoths and how they battle against each other technically in, in these conversations. Right. And I, I think, you know, as, as we just reviewed with the primary criteria, the SOS is only just one component of what we're looking at. It's not the end all be all. Uh, same with the win loss percentage. You know, we kind of look at, as we always say, the total body of work and, and how a team has done that season or up until that point um, and who they've played, where they've played, you know, and how how they've done against those those opponents. Um, it's not a perfect system, you know. And we're con- consistently discussing it as a committee, um, and also as you I understand or know, it, you know, committee dynamics are always changing uh, year to year. So you know, I think that's one thing that we have in our favor this year is being consistent. Uh, having seven returners on our committee will probably be help helpful as far as having uh, the kind of the same voices uh, to help with that. Um, but, you know, the great thing about the criteria, Dave, is we can have a debate whether or not a team that is 21-6 and six with a 504 SOS is more deserving than a team that might be 19-8 and eight with a 597 SOS. Um, I, I think if the process produced 100% perfect agreements on pool C bids, then there wouldn't be a need for a committee. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it also ruined my show. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be as much fun. One of the things that, not to dive in the deep, too much, but it's something that's going to frame conversations the rest of the season. 
the, the SOS win loss percentage last year, you know, we've always had this premise or, or this thinking that a 700 winning percentage, if you're below that, you're, you're in trouble. That's fine. And below 667, you're dead. And obviously a couple of years ago, UW Oshkosh got in and certainly had a great tournament um, that season, not the one they won uh, or the one they got to the final four. And that certainly was an outlier. They had an insane SOS number and, and it certainly made for good debate. Though we had it again last year with lacrosse made it with a 654 winning percentage at, at 17 and 9. Because again, their SOS was so hugely inflated. And I think that's where a lot of people, and I don't mean inflated in a bad way, I just mean the number was really big. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people come down to the question of, okay, great, but we left 23 and 5 center, um, who was really 21 and 5, and 24 and 3 LaRoche at the table because their strength of schedules were okay. But we brought in a couple who didn't win nearly as many games on a strength of schedule that, great, it was good, but you didn't win. How do we keep rectifying that? Or is that something you guys keep trying to work on, that at some point maybe these win-loss teams, yeah, their strength of schedules may not be great, but they did go out and win, do get rewarded over just somebody who goes out and schedules well? Yeah, yeah, it's a loaded question there, Dave. Oh, yeah, a little bit. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, um, you know, again, I could say that, you know, as a committee, we have thorough discussions and, you know, we we tend to agree to disagree sometimes. Sure. Um, and I think one thing that's important is, you know, we we as a committee have very thoughtful discussions when we go through this and it gets down to that, you know, maybe the last, you know, one or two at large um, bids there. And it, and it is good discussion. And, you know, there are different varying viewpoints on, you know, looking at, how a team, you know, with the criteria being applied to it, how they how they are viewed. Uh, I think it's also important though to remember though, if it, if it, when it gets to the the pool C's, we can only discuss who is at the table from each region. Sure, um, no, I do so, realize that, and LaRoche wasn't at the table. Don't get me yeah, wrong, I realize that. Right, so you know, if if the, the team is not there, we, even though you know they they might have a justification with you know what you just brought up. Um, we we can't just leap them in front of another team because um, of, of of a record, either win loss or SOS. And I also don't think too like you know there shouldn't just be a set cutoff as far as a win loss percentage. If you have this percentage, you automatically should be uh, slotted in, or if you have SOS at a certain thing. I think that's why you know in my example there. That's why we have great debate debates about you know how do you look at a team um, you know with a with either a low SOS and a lot of win-loss or vice versa. So Yeah. No, I understand. Um, and, and without going into the abyss, we could also talk about the fact that maybe LaRoche should have been higher. But that's that's literally we're diving in so far deep. Uh, I don't want to do that today because we've had nine months, ten months, whatever the case may be, is um, yeah. to, to hash it out. But it, it's something that I know we've been we've thought of, and, and I appreciate you at least hearing that part out. And, and we'd be fascinated to see how regional rankings come out in February um 12th and, and so on to see how all this evolves but are you guys also always having conversations about how to tweak things i know you say you have conversations to do better but you ever look at it and go hey what if we add this to our criteria or is this really working as criteria? does that conversation always happen too yeah i think every summer as a committee we we come together um after you know a month or two has has passed from the championship and we have a chance to kind of look back at how that tournament happened um, and was run and, and, and kind of dive back into, you know, where do we stand with, you know, the criteria and how things are applied. Um, we were able to provide feedback 
um, to the championships committee. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, you know, if you have a problem with the criteria, it has to be changed from the championships committee. And sure. it's kind of out, out of our hands. Like we might, you know, feel passionately one way or another, um, you know, but then that we can't do that because we have to use the criteria that we're given. We should point out that the criteria you're using is being used by everybody. You're only maybe um, flexibility is whether you're using the home and away multiplier on the SOS. Again, people, if you want to know more, let me know. Um, the home and away multiplier on the SOS, the women don't use it, you do it. That's about the only switch, as it were, that you can turn on or turn off. Everything else, every other sport has, so thus, any change you want to make, every other sport needs to kind of have that at their disposal as well. Correct. Okay. Um, fascinating. We could go forever. Uh, Sam knows we could go forever. We've spent lunches going forever um, talking about this stuff, and I appreciate the time. Is there anything else about either the pr process that we're now walking ourselves into or this tournament this year that we need to have kind of at, at the forefront of our minds? No, I, I, again, it's kind of like, you know, as long as the viewers understand in the criteria that we're using, um, you know, I, that's, that, you know, I, to me, I can say that that's been applied consistently, you know, at least since I've been on the committee. Well, that's always good. <laughs> we appreciate the consistency, at least. And, and obviously, everybody has different opinions. Oh, that was a question I wanted to ask. Would it ever be helpful to have the names of the teams blanked out on the screen? Not that necessarily the name of a team has influence, and I, you could argue it could, but would it make it an easier conversation to have because all you're doing is looking at the criteria? Yeah, possibly. You know, that's a good suggestion. Um, and I think sometimes when we are looking at, at teams, you know, I think some committee members like to just look at just the numbers and not know the teams themselves. So, um, again, I think that it's a personal preference. Um, again, it's not what we're required to do sure. or being asked, asked to do. Um, but, and, you know, that is a su suggestion. And would it be helpful if we came in and helped you guys do it, especially using our top 25? That would be helpful, correct? Well, you know, if you just go to your D3 boards, uh, Bob Kuhlman already told, told you who's, who's making the tournament. So. Yes, yes, I know. And he's, 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 he's gotten you out on Twitter, I noticed. I was impressed that you replied. Um, you have a very good tolerance of, of lack of replies, and I was surprised that you replied, but I applaud you nonetheless. Um, Sam, like I said, could talk to you forever. I appreciate the time you've given us, um, and I know we'll talk to you down the road, and you and I will converse. We'll at least relay any messages we need to. Um, as always, though, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those here tuning into the marathon? Sure, Dave. I appreciate it, as always. And, and thanks for all you do for Division Three men's basketball and women's basketball. And I know you've got your marathon and you've got a couple more hours ahead of you, so uh, stay hydrated in that regard. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, we're just, as a committee, we're really excited for this joint championship year in Atlanta. Um, we have a lot of great things in store. I uh, really hope that we can continue to, to grow the game of Division Three men's basketball um, and, and the opportunity that lies ahead. So um, as, we, as we build up to our 2020 tournament and march towards Fort Wayne and, and onto Atlanta in April, a lot of great things. But I'd also like to take a quick um, moment, if I can, mm -hmm. um, to, to discuss, um, you know, talking about the tragedy that took place this past Sunday in California sure. and the loss of the nine lives, including NBA superstar Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi. And I, I know some were not a fan of Kobe's, but, you know, he was universally respected throughout the sport, um, sports world, and globally. Um, 
you know, to me, he left a legacy on and off the court and to learn more about what he was doing post-NBA and his involvement with women's basketball and supporting and being present for his daughter should be something that impacts everyone, especially all the parents out there. I know the hashtag girl dad is trending this week, and you know myself, I'm proud to be a girl dad of two amazing daughters, and for me, they help me drive, drive me to be a better person each day. And I think all parents of boys and girls want to see their children do better than them and to experience a fulfilled life, and you know, that should be the end goal. So I implore everyone to use this tragedy to do better in your life each and every day. Take care of yourself, take care of one another, pay it forward, volunteer, be the change, but more, most importantly, spend more time with your own family and friends and treasure every moment because you never know when it's your last. Well said, Sam. Uh, couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't say it better. You are an eloquent writer and speaker, and I appreciate your thoughts there. I also am a girl dad and a boy dad, but especially a girl dad, and you're right about her uh, driving us to be better. So thank you for the words. Thanks for the thought. Really appreciate it. Also, thank you for your time. Look forward to talking to you down the road, sir. Enjoy the last however many weeks we have here on the regular season, and I look forward to talking to you and running, running into you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Appreciate Sam Atkinson joining us on the show for there um, to talk about things. We, we could go in deep on a lot of topics and certainly there's a lot we could go into. It's not worth it now. We will have the committee chairs back on a later date. Even I want to go back and listen to my conversation with Sam, which actually I listened to a little bit upstairs with my uh, kids. My son apparently has watched a vast majority of the show, so if there's a record, unless somebody's watched the entire show, uh, he might be the winner. He's homesick today with strep, so the fact that I've gotten through the show today I think is a, a small miracle. Um <laughs> But uh, he, he watched most of it. He said he didn't learn too much, but he's, he, he learned that there's a lot of coaches around Division Three. <laughs> he, he will be producing this show sooner than later, folks. I'm warning you all now. Um, nonetheless, uh, good chat conversation with Sam Atkinson there. Uh, things to take away. Remember, we're playing two rounds the opening weekend. They're going to be staggered times most likely, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, especially if Yeshiva gets there. Um, the second weekend is a Sweet 16 by itself. It's split into two days. Half the games will be played on um, Friday, half the games on Saturday. Those games hopefully staggered times as well. We then go to the uh, quarterfinals in Fort Wayne. Obviously staggered times there. Four games in one day, uh, two and a half hours, I think, apart. Is, I think the timing. Um, and then so on and so forth. So uh, good stuff to come out of there, and we'll we'll learn more about it uh, as we move forward. If you got questions about it, text us at D3Hoopsville or tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us. Uh, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com, et cetera. Going to take a break. When we come back, we will get the happy hour started. I got Lenny Reich interested in jumping on board. Got Ryan Scott ready to come on board. I may even have Chris Mitchell. If you don't know two of those names, you should. Uh, should be a good time, and I'm looking forward to it. You are listening to Hoopsville. The marathon continues into the happy hour craziness that it is, and we're looking forward to continue along. I have an update to the uh, tote board, as it were, as well. Uh, back with more Hoopsle after this.